Eight days later. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hobbits. Hobbits have been living and farming in the four farthings of the Shire for many hundreds of years. Peter Jackson will always be best known for writing and directing The Hobbit, The Lord of the Rings, as well as the 2005 remake of King Kong. In 2004, Jackson's third and final installment of The Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, swept the Oscars and became the first fantasy film to win Best Picture, tying with Ben-Hur and Titanic for most awards. But before those big-budget blockbusters, he had a two-decade-long career of making low-budget New Zealand-based oddball films. One of the films that we've discussed on the show previously is Jackson's 1994 true crime film Heavenly Creatures, which introduced Melanie Linsky to the world. Absolutely not! Arthur Wells! The most hideous man alive! Tonight, we are going back even further to explore the first phase of Peter Jackson's film career, the splatter phase. Specifically, the 1992 zombie comedy Braindead, otherwise known as Dead Alive, starring Timothy Balm and Spanish actress Diana Pinalver. You've got the bite! There's, there's some dead hole in the jeep! <laughs> Like David Cronenberg working in Canada, Peter Jackson was able to get his early work funded by the New Zealand government. The New Zealand Film Commission gave Peter Jackson $3 million to work on this film. Thanks partly to the Film Commission, New Zealand has built up an array of technical talent. Brain Dead is set to be the biggest special effects film ever made in the Southern Hemisphere. 650 models, masks, and body parts have to be created. A rat monkey has to be given life. Like some of Peter Jackson's earlier films, it caused controversy for being extremely gory, played up throughout the movie for comic effect. Some in the media worried Braindead would embarrass the New Zealand government and provide no redeeming cultural value. In a way, this film is the sort of thing the government has decided to discard. Good. Great, thank you. Fantastic. Brain Dead is the title. It's what's known as a splatter movie. The story is a bit of a mess. The screenplay had numerous rewrites, and several versions of the film exist, played at different lengths in different countries. Ah! 
Yes, for the Lord! Timothy Baum plays Lionel Cosgrove, a young man living with a strict and comically overbearing mother. He becomes romantically entangled with a young Spanish Romani girl named Paquita, who his mother disapproves of. While watching her son's date, Lionel's mother gets bitten by a rat monkey, a strange hybrid creature that carries a virus that reanimates the dead. Reckon they're only found on one island, you know. Story goes these great big rats come sculling off the slave ships and raped all the little tree monkeys. She begins to turn, her body graphically falling apart. Unable to kill his mother, Lionel tries to keep her alive as more and more townspeople begin turning. They're not dead exactly, they're just sort of rotting. Whatever you think of the over-the-top graphic gore and splatter of this movie, and the relatively discordant storyline, it's a very fascinating showcase of Peter Jackson and his partner and collaborator Francis Walsh budding talent and how much they could do for a minuscule amount of money. It's brain dead an aspect of New Zealand that we want overseas people to see. I think it's incredibly New Zealand film. And of course, I mean, yeah, and I mean, it's fantasy and people people buy into the fantasy perfectly well, but they still get to see a sort of Kiwi sense of humor and a Kiwi countryside. Anyway, before I introduce the panel, let me say, please like this video and subscribe to the Movie Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live show, send us a super chat. We are absolutely obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer it. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash extra. All of our after parties are available on there forever. Okay, let me introduce the panel. Jay World, illustrator, book cover artist, comic designer, and artist for Give Them an Argument, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, and Bad Takes. Conan Neutron, host of Britonic Reversal and the frontman for Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends. They just got back from touring on the East Coast, and I got to see Conan play in Peekskill, New York. It was pretty awesome. Jared M. Skolnick, horror director and editor, directed several short films, including Girl in the Basement and The Music of Eric Zahn. K.T. Baldessaro is an actress, director, and writer who wrote and co-directed and also starred in Girl in the Basement, along with appearing in quite a few horror movies. I, of course, am your long-suffering host, Forrest Miller. I forgot to introduce myself earlier. Without further ado, let's get started. All right. Oh, everybody's muted. Here yes. You go. There we go. Nice. Yes, indeed. Yeah, and you forgot once again to introduse yourself. Yeah, I just keep Every- forgetting. I, sometimes I forget. Incredible I how consistent you are about con- forgetting that. It's almost <laughs> like it's recorded for every show. <laughs> what am I gonna do? Re-record it and introduce myself like first, <laughs> and then seem like I'm seem like I'm conceited because I'm introducing myself first. I don't want to do that. I'd rather introduce myself last and seem to everybody, you know, listening that I'm I'm a, I'm a, so selfless, so 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 generous and selfless that I actually forget to introduce myself each time. Exactly. Exactly. Make yourself look the hero. I'm giving away the game because it doesn't seem like anyone's watching. <laughs> it's good. Just stalling. Yeah. That's, that's okay. Uh, they, they, they'll, they'll catch it later. Yeah, yeah. It lives on YouTube most people, forever. Most people do not watch live anyway, um, as much as they probably should. But, you know, that's what it is. Uh, yeah. Hey, 
Dead Alive or Brain Dead, I guess, if you're not American, as it's known. But I never heard it referred to as anything other than Dead Alive for like literal years, as I said. It's, it's funny because it's like yeah. we're Americans. Yeah, it's almost like American exceptionalism, right? <laughs> the version of it on YouTube has dead, like has Brain Dead as the the title for it. Like, I don't know if the American version has Dead Alive when when it actually like you know because they they're like Zendaya or whatever, and they uh, it's definitely not Zendaya, but <laughs> but when they they chop it and he goes into the uh, big fan of the Spider Man. It yeah, <laughs> euphoria. Yeah, definitely, like in the video store, it said Dead Alive. It said, it said nothing about Brain Dead. And again, in the days before the like, internet of now and, and on demand, it said Dead Alive. And at no point anything did you ever see Brain Dead. And it blew my mind when I saw the exact same art in like a VHS case with Brain Dead. I was like, "What is that?" And I was like, "Is it a sequel?" And I was like, "Oh no, it's it's they just called it something different." And it was because it was. I mean. It's a low budget movie by comparative. I mean, three million dollars is not that low budget, but it's it was you know cult classic. So it's like not like it was talked about in, a, in hushed tones by like Siskel and Ebert or even Richard Roper. Well, did anyone see the other film, the nineteen ninety uh, brain? Uh, yeah, brain. Dead, the one between Bill Pullman and Bill Paxton. And your build a no. bill combination. Yeah, friend oh, of show. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm boycotting anything, uh, you know, with Bill Pullman in it, so I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't see yeah. it. Please Bill Pullman was called uh, Forrest. <laughs> he's got, he's got, he's got a story for it. It's, it's pretty funny. Uh, yeah, because um, that's why they couldn't call it that, right? That's yeah, they, that one had already come out, and you know, yeah. it was fairly. It was like two years. Yeah, two years prior. Well, three, because technically we didn't get, uh, we didn't get this until '93. Um, yeah, but. You know, not definitely didn't make as big a splash over time as this wound up making. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of. I, I haven't personally seen the 1991. I haven't seen that one. I haven't either. No. And I love Bill Paxton, but we it's, will have an opinion on it, even though none of us have seen it. So, yeah. It's 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 kind of fascinating. The first time I ever saw the New Zealand Film Commission logo um, that I remember seeing it was definitely Lord of the Rings. So like going back now and seeing some of the older movies that Peter Jackson's done that fully got funded by the New Zealand Film Commission is kind of uh, absolutely fascinating because it's like it's almost like the uh, the ubiquitous like Atlanta Georgia thing that they have on TV now yeah, or like yeah. anything that's filmed in Atlanta like you know the the Georgia. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, he built that studio out there. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, he built like one of the largest studios in the world in Atlanta. Uh huh. Yeah, good for him. And there's lots. Of he also he also basically got an Oscar for being a nice guy too, because he's never going to win a real one. Sorry, mm -hmm. not to be a dick. Yeah. Well, hey, I, I I like him as a human being, maybe not necessarily as a creator, but oh yeah. So I'm happy he got one. <laughs> he he seems he seems like a really great dude. So. He was good in uh he was good in Don't Look Up. I liked his like Dark very Dark. muted uh like mm -hmm. Sagar and Jetty character, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> but having little to nothing to do with any of that, uh forced <laughs> I'm a little bit older than you, uh, as is Andy. What? And some of us <laughs> I know, hard to believe, I know, but I wouldn't believe yeah. it with the amount of back pain I've been having. Uh, I was out hey. <laughs> <laughs> but it was notable even more notable and kind of crazy when when especially if you already say new dead alive like i did and was completely obsessed with in high school which is the perfect time as a as a boy to be uh to find this movie uh and and be like 
first of all, there's going to be Lord of the Rings movies. Secondly, Peter Jackson is going to make them. Oh my God. Like that's going to be amazing. And then, cause especially because I was also a huge fan of heavenly creatures, as we talked about with the classic episode on heavenly creatures. Orson Welles. <laughs> this city is my life. Uh, and I, I mean, it blew my mind. I was like, that doesn't, that seems like that is this, is this a joke on me specifically? Like this can't possibly be real. Right. Um, there's a lot more gravitas to heavenly creatures though than there is to mm-hmm. this particular film. Oh, you- <laughs> although, although I will say the, the um the scene where they're loading up the rat monkey on the airplane reminded me very much of uh Steven Spielberg's work in Indiana Jones. So you know, I mean, they're, I mean, they're both pulling from King Kong imagery. So yeah, which. Is 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 are we going to bring up the that this is technically in the same universe as King Kong? Are we going to bring that up because is it? I didn't. Skull I didn't Island. know that yeah, it's, it's Skull Island. Is Skull Island where they uh, where the rat monkey creature comes from and where the where where the the uh, tragic rapes happened? I guess of the <laughs> the rats and the and the the, the spider monkeys. But there, there's a, a working, there's a theory that the internet has posited that it's is not only the same Skull Island that it's all canonical, uh, and you know that's it's I don't know so it's more of a fun thing I think than anything else. I don't know if any there's no, I wouldn't look for that crossover anytime soon or that Disney Plus <laughs> Prestige series, but I do like the idea that much like Stephen King's uh, Dark Towers, there's like a version of all of Peter Jackson's shit that could exist in the same universe and then kind of overlap each other uh, canonically. I, I like her. She's good. She can stay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, that's, you know, like, why not? Right. If you're someone that is deep, are deeply invested in the kind of films you make, like, I'm sure they all exist in some universe in your mind anyway. So, well, why not? He's uh he's trying to get a, a 4K like remake or 4K like uh, edit down for this movie sometime soon. I don't think he's released it yet. And uh and so like a re-release. So it'd be funny if if during the press like for the 4K thing because you know they put it in 4K and then they do like the press run usually. Like it'd be funny if someone asked him yeah. about that. Like is this in the same universe as uh, as King? Like where's where's Jack Black during all this? Jack Black would be something. <laughs> Runs up. There's actually a reference to Dead Alive in um, Spielberg's Tintin because uh, Peter Jackson was a was a yeah. co-writer and producer of it. So um, we could get a Steven Spielberg Dead Alive starring Jack Black someday. You, you never know. If if there was something in his Louvre that could be remade, I definitely think this. This would beat Meet the Feebles, but or, or Bad Taste. Yeah, Bad Taste, I think is is kind of like a John Waters thing, though. It's so in its mo. I don't yeah. know if I would remake yeah. that. No, you shouldn't, because like like the beauty of Bad Taste is that it took them four years to make. Yeah, <laughs> I, and I mean, just imagine having the same mullet for four years. It's that's, just that's so. And funny. when I when I made that video essay or whatever, uh, some of that like is the footage from them uh, making that, and we can watch some of it in the uh, in the after party if we do one. Um, there's a there's a video that kind of shows him putting together a lot of the stuff over those years. But I wanted to shout out Fran Walsh, who's his uh, wife slash partner. Yeah. Married. So they're like his partner or whatever, but they've co-written every single project that Peter Jackson's written. Uh, he writes with his wife, which I think is kind of kind of cool. Like yeah, uh, pr- premier wife guy right there. I think a list a list wife guy. Yes, common law wife guy. 
they never quite quite made that next. And the third person who's the writer on this is a stage, uh, so like a theater writer who has won a Moliere award, like a really, really? Uh, French award for for plays. Like this, yeah. the talent in this film is astronomical. Ten years yeah. from now. Right. It's, it's, funny, it's funny that uh yeah proving ground yeah so he's he he wrote several plays i guess one of them is the bellbird and the bach and mm -hmm. uh they're prescribed texts for drama studies in new zealand secondary schools like that's how uh, like premiere this guy is within like the new zealand theater community but the films that he co-wrote are meet the feebles brain dead the two towers and he also wrote and directed his own movie russian snark <laughs> and yet like hi brow theater yeah yeah that's awesome just and just, also for a, just for a uh, <laughs> just, just for an example of what uh what uh this um like the level of theater that this is caramel cream is a play that he wrote in the 90s depicting a relationship between a maori teenager and his pekia i don't know how to say that social worker so it's like it's like high it's like highbrow drama that this guy is writing and then his like moonlight career is stuff like meet the feebles and brain dead like relevance to the national national zeitgeist and the yeah. people. Yeah, like that, that, you, um, yes. Get, getting Arthur Miller to do Reanimator. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Or like Maurice Sendak writing for Playboy. Yeah. Oh, hey, that works too. That works too. <laughs> I mean, they, they, look, there, there's, there is a long history for that, you know, especially for people that like do it for the love of the art, right? I mean, it, it's not unheard of, and like people are allowed, even if they have sort of SD taste, to also appreciate things with more, we'll just say, populist fare, uh, such as, uh, you know, who, what's more populous than uh, than Meet the Feebles, after all. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, like, Pacquia. I mean, STDs affect us all. Pacquia is the is the is the way that it's said. By the way, the word that ah Pacquia is, it, is yeah. that a Maori word? It's a Maori word. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Next time, hold your phone up to the uh, microphone so so we can all hear. Well, it's it. on my it's on my laptop. But uh, <laughs> let me see. So I was making reference to Conan. Oh, oh. oh, the pronunciation bit. I'm not doing that right now. Maori. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pakiha. Well, so a lot of his plays are about uh, Maori, Maori and Pakia um, relationships, and whether it's a, like a romantic relationship, it seems like just just by reading this list, whether it's a romantic relationship or whether it's a like um, you know like the social worker teenager kind of thing, uh, it seems like he he writes some like highbrow drama about you know uh, those relationships and traversing them, and then you know, meet the feebles and brain dead <laughs> on, on his off days, literally like a year apart too, because the, the, the one is 1990, uh, I mean, 1991 and the other ones, you know, brain dead came out in 1992. And, and even as like a joke that makes you want to think that there's some sort of allegory or metaphor within this piece. And if you had to guess, <laughs> what would you say it might be? Uh, it, it's very edible, I, I would I would say. Um, it's very, very Freudian. Uh, edible, not edible. Because yeah, no, <laughs> you're, you're a little low in, in the mix, so yeah, yeah. Edible. Well, both. In, both. Yeah. It's both. It's both I, well, edible. yeah, it is zombies. It's, it's both edible point, and right? edible. It, it kind of goes together, I guess, <laughs> in this. That, that's the tagline. 
Smash that on a fucking poster. <laughs> and a fan. <laughs> Don't make me laugh. An, ed- an edible journey through the Oedipus complex. Like, yeah. You know. yeah, I mean, he literally gets reversed by her at the end. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely he, think he hacks was- through her her stomach too. It's not like he's back in her womb, and he, you know, so it's both edible in that case. He eats her, and edible, he destroys her to get out of her. I, I mean, yeah, that's uh, that's real. Not all of it. Not all of it no. There we go. Edible. <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, I wanted to talk about the the funding part of it because I find this kind of fascinating. Um. This is so they did a special. It's like it ends up being nine minutes, but I cut it into pieces. And the the guy actually goes onto the set of Brain Dead getting made, and it actually like films it as it's getting made, which is really cool. But also doesn't like the fact that the tax money is being used on uh <laughs> on this. Yeah, it's kind of it's basically kind of a hit piece in a way. Like, yeah, sort of like he's trying to like oh look at that look at that wasting all the money on this. Gotcha journalism. <laughs> So it kind of becomes it kind of becomes like both the the one chronicle of this film getting made that isn't you know directly from them, but also this guy being like, justify your existence. Why should the taxpayers be paying for you? Yeah. <laughs> Take it away, Gorbachev. So the film commission is apparently essential for our national identity. And the government, because of its two and a half million dollar budget cut, is throwing away a chance for cultural development. <laughs> to assess the gravity of the loss, we went to see the commission's latest project, a film the commission is funding to the tune of pretty much two and a half million dollars. In a way, this film is the sort of thing the government has decided to discard. Good. Right, thank you. Fantastic. <laughs> Brain Dead is the title. It's what's known as a splatter movie. A movie about zombies. (laughs) Zombies who splatter, dismember, decapitate. and cover each other in gore. What about Brain Dead? Is that New Zealand culture? It certainly is. Um, Brain Dead is an extraordinary film by an extraordinary filmmaker called Peter Jackson. Uh, many people around the world think he is a major talent, even though his main specialty is gore. Not the place name, the substance. But gore isn't New Zealand culture, is it? Well, it is in a way because he grew up here. His perception is uh, New Zealand perceptions. He makes the films here with New Zealand actors. They're set in New Zealand. They reflect a particular, very particular point of view that's a New Zealander's point of view. (laughs) (laughs) The director of Brain Dead, Peter Jackson, a leading light in New Zealand cinema, a cult figure who specializes in what he calls splatstick. When we caught up with this icon of New Zealand culture, he was busy directing what he assures us is the world's first cinematic scene of zombies, well, being intimate. In between scenes of great screen passion, the director found time to tell us how we'll suffer as a result of the Film Commission's funding cuts and why we should care. Everyone should care because these 
films do such a lot to, to show New Zealand to overseas audiences. I mean, how else does anybody in America, middle of America or England or some place in Europe, get to actually have a watch New Zealand for an hour and a half? Is brain dead an aspect of New Zealand that we want overseas people to see? I think it's an incredibly New Zealand film. And of course, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's fantasy and people people buy into the fantasy perfectly well, but they still get to see a sort of Kiwi sense of humour and a... Kiwi countryside. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the next one. Meanwhile, the zombies wait nervously backstage, perhaps conscious that the next scene, a moment of great delicacy, could be viewed in Middle America or England. The director has stated that um, this will be primarily remembered in years to come for its subtlety and sensitive direction. And I trust him. I trust him. Yes, I trust him. You'd have to trust him. I trust him. I trust him. I trust him. I trust him. <laughs> I think. So we've definitely got to get your sort of your head about this this height. So we're actually in the middle of a passionate kiss, and this is the one that Lionel tries to separate that goes terribly wrong. In that case, do we need the super glue on our lips? No, 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 no. no I like wouldn't. It. I wouldn't bother about no, it. That's, that's, a a that's a separate shot. <laughs> For the first time, I feel sick. That is right. It is sick. I, yeah, I got. I got to agree. This just makes us look cool, man. <laughs> like, there's. there's like, I I would have uh, I would have forced that guy to like retract it as soon as fucking Lord of the Rings came out and like started absolutely killing it in the market, being like, Oh you yeah, like, do you still feel like you know my work doesn't have any redeeming value and I'm not contributing anything to New Zealand? Because this seems like it's contributing quite a lot to New Zealand. In fact, yeah. you know, acclaim and uh, nonstop, you know, nonstop work and you know millions of dollars. So. This, do you still feel this way? And I would—I don't know. That guy's smug face is fucking sucks. This, this, and I'm pretty really sure this, this is how we got uh, uh, you know Sam Raimi to go down there to do uh, Hercules and Xena. Yeah. Um, you know, was because Peter Jackson showed like, hey, look what we can do in this small place, right. and like, oh, hey, That's we have true. access yeah. to like talent, um, places to film, and all this kind of stuff. And and uh, uh, you know, uh, I'm uh, guarantee you, if it wasn't for this movie, we would not have. Uh, Hercules and Xena. And, and the fact that, the, you know, the government is subsidizing this, which is super tempting. Like, come over here. We have the space. We have money. And the government is willing to also work with us uh, to create stability in a pretty unstable market, a pretty unstable uh-huh. industry. Yeah. Although this movie did make more than Batman Returns in New Zealand. Like, this was a really good turnaround for them. It's like they're Wolf Warrior too. <laughs> And uh, well, he he goes on he goes on in this, and I'll probably play another clip from it at some point. But he goes on in this to say that like, oh well, maybe this is a more popular genre, and he's like, you know, there's a big audience for splatter films, and I don't understand. I hear an echo, but uh, <laughs> there's a big audience. Perhaps the children are wrong. No, no, I don't think so. Is it? It might be on my end. I hear an echo. Is 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 it? I don't have my headphones on, so I can't tell. This is my least favorite game. <laughs> oh yeah. Let me see. I don't know. I just turned it on echo cancellation. I still have one. But um, here, and right. it's, it's, it's a game where everybody wins. <laughs> yes, especially the audience. Find the echo. It's not. It's not me. I had mine off, and it, it's still. Echo. It's probably us, to be honest with you. You have echo. Hold on. Yeah, because we got the speakers going on, but but we can only run two headphones. Oh uh, yeah. Fascinating. <laughs> hey, I don't hear it. Where'd it go? 
Yeah, well, I'm so, kind of missing so, now. I, I don't know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so, so it kind of, it kind of, like, I liked it. It was comfortable. <laughs> Nobody, it kind of, the, the whole thing kind of feels like, uh, well, number one, people, people in America doing that same kind of hit piece. Like, could you imagine if the government funded our, our film? Like, you know, like, cause they do subsidize it, but like, not to the point where like they're actually the ones paying for it, right? Like, could you imagine if like American taxpayers, um you know every film like you'd have like ben shapiro or somebody like or like even just like i don't know like sean handy or somebody like going down and demanding to see the script for each movie that comes out rivera well he's yeah. like the guy practically did it already but the, but the <laughs> thing is it doesn't matter who'd be doing it the the, the, the point is like the, the smugness would be like times 20 and it would be like on all it'd be like all of the major outlets because they basically have shows that they would go do that anyway. I mean, the thing is, it's sort of like the national endowment of the arts was like the big thing that they hit on. Like, you know, again, remember the reason why anybody knows what the piss Christ is, which is terrible, by the way, is because of like all of those, uh, those new articles. That they Jesse Helm. Yeah. I mean, and, and, by like, the way, they, forget piss Christ, look up piss Helms. <laughs> it's the, but, the black knight. But do it in a safe search yeah, window, right. please, for, for your own, uh, for your own. <laughs> but, but they've, the important thing is that, um, yeah, they actually, you know, have a program supporting the arts, right? So imagine how much different, and, and I'm glad that we did that live. One of the reasons I wanted, insisted that it stay in for the month is because if you think back to their first episode, Night of the Living Dead, right? That, that think about like, you know, a Night of the Living Dead, right? How amazing it is, how incredible it is, how uh, influential it is, but done like on a shoestring budget, you know, well, charitably say with private funding, most of it like a borrowed car and like, you know, borrowed equipment, shoestring budget, like to put and an equipment. uncle that died in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, and manage to pull that off. But imagine if, if this country had that same kind of arts funding, right? Because what you had is you, you have an incredibly talented filmmaker that was allowed to, I mean, bad taste is okay. Uh, but like, you know, this is this movie is is if you can hate the genre all you want i think nobody here does but i mean that news reporter certainly is disdainful of it you can't deny the artistry of it and you also can't deny the fact that people that kind of made their bones on these films made in this in this system went on to make these huge works of like internationally renowned art which is what those systems are supposed to do yeah i mean <laughs> literally uh, the comparable... point of them Literally, a comparable, not uh, a, a comparable filmmaker, I think, uh, in a lot of ways, is Cronenberg because, um, you know, a lot of the movies that he was making that did like some of the coolest shit. Like, I mean, Scanners is a perfect example. He made with like it seems like the New Zealand Film Commission, because it's a much smaller country than Canada is, um, gave uh, Peter Jackson a lot of leeway. They worked with him, which Canada really didn't work with uh david cronenberg so he would do these things he would find out like hey you can kind of get a you know you can get a tax write-off and not have to pay for this film if you come up with a script by this date so he like would would shoot it while kind of coming up with the script at the same time whereas well, it seems like he was part of a uh, ecosystem where there was uh people who were like investing in these things to lose money so they could make more money back tax uh, and tax write-offs yeah. uh which is why when porky's was a hit the uh the this this orthodontist out of toronto was furious because he like he could stop it, it was supposed to lose money that was the point it was supposed to lose money <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly producer well, and, style and, moment 
and, and, you make and, more money with a flop than with a hit. <laughs> sure. I mean, like, and that's sort of like uh, the TV version of Get Shorty that you can also use to like launder uh, cartel money and things along those lines too. There's there's plenty of instances within media. But Jared and KT, I'd actually be interested in hearing your take on uh, on any of that as as filmmakers as well. I gotta say, if I, if I made a if I made a splatter movie and uh, someone like Ben Shapiro caught wind of it and started bashing it on his program, I. That would be a gift from the gods. Of course, yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding? Yeah. Marketing dollar. I would. I would. I would even like send him a, a present. Not. It would. It would explode. But. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, that's the that's the kind of publicity you can't even you can't buy for for a movie like that. It'd be what a souffle. Sorry? The souffle, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it'd be yeah, a souffle. A souffle not, not a bomb or anything. Don't don't no, think no, that, no, people. No, 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 no. It'd be it'd be a souffle. Yeah. I still remember like uh, <laughs> uh, I think it's the company that ended up becoming Shutter, like uh, that one um, horror movie uh, like channel or whatever that played it nonstop. I remember I made one when I was a kid for it. They they had this contest on TV where they would uh, pay for you to do a better film, and it was. Like they'd pay for you to do a, a like a, a horror movie that actually costs money if you could do one on like a shoestring budget and send it to them under ten minutes and they would give you like a cash prize or something to work on your uh, your next one. I can't remember what the channel. I think it's became Shutter. I think that's what it is. But like, I, I, I vaguely remember it. Although it can't be that old because I was at the launch party for Shutter. So that that's. Ooh. <laughs> it was not <laughs> no, it wasn't it wasn't shutter that it was I think the company ended up like launching shutter as a as a thing. Hold on, I'm I'll find the I mean that was chill actually no wait, that was chiller. Yeah, chiller. that was yeah, 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 yeah. So <laughs> so I made chiller. so I live I live in a town that has um like the Huguenots uh like lived here originally. Like uh so the the houses here are from like the like there's a bunch of houses on like the street that's like kind of deserted because it's like a, a tourist street like cars can't go on it so um i took like a, a film camera or something with like one of my friends when i was like i was really young and we like tried to make a movie in the huguenot cemetery and we sent it to them and awesome. we did it yeah but we like it we like covered ourselves with makeup and like we're running through, i don't know it was it was definitely bad because like we didn't have any control over the editing like my friend's mom was like oh i can edit it for you because i like i didn't have a laptop or anything so it definitely ended up being just like this weird thing that we made in the graveyard. But I was so ready. I was like, I, I kept like refreshing the page on fucking like uh, on Internet Explorer being like, come on, we got to we got to get some kind of mention. <laughs> well, and it's it's awesome that there are avenues for, for things like that now, because I mean, when I was doing it in high school, there certainly there, there certainly was not. And in fact, the age of digital editing hadn't begun. When I first learned editing, um, you know, we get the walker out here. It was on the machines where like you like advance things like with the dials and stuff like along those lines. And uh, but it was it was the spirit of, of movies like like this specifically, which was new at the time and uh, Night of the Living Dead and, th and things like that. And, uh, you know, El Mariachi and stuff like that, that was like, oh, you can just do this. Like no one's gonna stop you from doing this, and if you have like enough of an articulate uh, vision to be able to pull it off, then there's potentially an audience for it. Because because if you're sitting there, so that's probably the most empowering thing I think about like um, the pre Dead Alive Peter Jackson movies. It's like, yo, anyone can do this. Like, can, can you are you checking this out? But some of the shot compositions are still like, wow, that's inventive. Like when the 
Uh, and again, I'm, I'm doing the thing where I take us a little bit off topic, but like in Bad Taste, where you see the aliens, like they're meant to be growing and he uses like shadows and he uses like shadows. On, it's, 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 it's like costs nothing, right, to do this. But you get the effect of like, oh, no, they're growing here. And it's so inventive and cool. And then you see echoes of that in, in, in his future films, but just like with a much bigger budget, basically. And like, I think when you start off having to innovate, like you have no choice, then you have an easier food line to become an innovator. Well, yeah. and the American the American version of that uh, ends up being far different than the than the you know the New Zealand or the Canada or whatever version of that because you know we talked about this with like Clerks where you have to invest all your own money into it and then you bring it to an actual place that's like a distributor hub or, or you do like Evil Dead. Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's different ways to do it, but like we talked about it specifically this one way that was happening at this time with Clerks, right? Like because it's yeah, we also talked about it on our Evil Dead episode, classic, which Conan wasn't on, so it didn't happen to him. Didn't, mm -hmm. didn't happen. And also that episode was deeply hilarious because that chick sounded like a deadite. Oh, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. no, so she, so she, she had a really weird laugh and it sounded like a deadite. Yeah. I was, like, I was like, is this a bit? No, this can't possibly be a bit. Right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, so it's kind of, I don't know. But, but I, I, I want to hear from like, Jared and KT about this because I feel like, like, what? like that this is important. Like it, for independent filmmaking, these kinds of movies like Dead Alive are important. By the way, can you guys, uh, can you guys bring the the mic a little bit closer to you when you answer because it was very, it was, yeah, hey guys, talk yeah. especially especially Jared. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I was gonna say that I do think that there is a certain amount of control over what gets made in the United States through probably most directly the rating system, in my opinion, because the way that that gets in and and kind of changes the way films are. Uh, probably the best example would be. Uh, Boys don't cry. In order to Which, get that, by the way, friend of show Gabriel Horn was in the uh, short film. Oh wow! Wow! Oh, yeah. All right, nice plug. Yeah. Um, Andy, I like how you have the microphone that you can put so close to your mouth that it it sends yeah. the loud, loud, I'm like yeah. throating it. Like, <laughs> um, but they had to. Take so when he talks over the guests, he really talks over the guests. I say <laughs> as I talk over the guests. Go ahead, Katie. Yes. Um, they had to edit out certain scenes, like they had to edit out just her wiping her mouth after a sex scene, just to get it to be able to be a film that could be released to the public in a scale wide enough that it wasn't like X-rated. And so I do think, and that is such a, when you really look into how ratings get and then the group that controls ratings, what a small, ridiculous group of uptight assholes affecting our shit. Um, and then I feel I've, like we should get a commission every time I mention it, but there's a movie called This Film Was Not Yet Rated about the MPAA, and it's it's absolutely great, astounding. Yeah. Great film. But, I, but yeah. I feel like for as many referrals we give it, we should like get a little get a little something something on the side. Yeah, that. right. Just a little take <laughs> on the side. Um, but tracing your line about like the importance of films like this, it's kind of funny because I think you had said the first Peter Jackson film you came into contact with, or maybe the first time you saw the New Zealand logo was the Lord of the Rings film. The first time I saw it was Heavenly Creatures because I had gotten IFC a subscription as a kid. I'm like 13. And I watched every fucking film they had. And they had like 12. Really, they didn't have that many. Heavenly Creatures came out the year I was born. So in all, in all fairness. But at the time, Katie, you're probably like, they have 12 films on here? Wow. Oh, no, I mean, it. Zachers was one of them. This was one of them. And it did have this attainability of like, oh, shit. Like, we could... We could just make a film. I don't have to, you know, be seen by uh, Cecil B. DeMille. Like, we could just fucking make a film. Yeah. And that's that's ex ex exhilarating. Yeah. 
Well, it, it is, and it's it's something where, you know, think of how many filmmakers have been influenced by something like Night of the Living Dead's a perfect example, right? Whether they ended up making horror movies or not, that like saw Night of the Living Dead and like when they make their like best films of all time lists for, uh, you know, Criterion or whatever, then they're throwing on Night of the Living Dead. And, it, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing what you can do when you have the ability, like that block towards like, okay, what I want to create, I can just make it. I can literally just make it like just to get over that hump, which now I, I think that that's it's maybe easier to get past that piece of it. And the, and the, the new question is, well, will anyone see it, which is a more complicated question, but it is kind of amazing how much stuff was gate kept uh, even past the initial like uh, 70s and sort of like independent uh, film revolution that kind of led to the you know, you used to call them like indie films, right? Like now, nowadays, it all distributed of A24, but like, uh, it, you know, Hal Hartley, you know, stuff like that. He wasn't, doesn't didn't make big budget movies. Like, the, it doesn't have to necessarily be Sumatran rat monkeys. <laughs> it doesn't even need right? its own subgenre of the, like, oh, you don't need to have a Searchlight or Raramax. Like, right. like, it's just getting made under regular shit now. You just make it like 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 the station agent station agent's incredible it's an incredible movie and it's like well what genre of movie is this exactly i'll tell you what it's the it's the uh it's a, first of all it's awesome and secondly uh one of the first films of a mr peter dinklage which now everybody knows and it's it's an incredible film but it's yeah you know it, it's i think there's something to be said for and it, to me if you stop and think about creativity on like the overarching whole if you see a film like dead alive or even bad taste which is not as good uh, or sorry, brain dead for our non-American uh, audiences, which we, um, which we do have. Get on I still, I, still, I cannot reconcile it, but yeah. But if you see one of those, and then you see Heavenly Creatures, which I think is astounding, like one of my favorite movies, and you're like, oh, the same dude made those. It's like, oh, okay, so I get it. Wrote both of those because you think like, well, maybe Heavenly Creatures is written by a short story. Is it like a Sylvia Plath poem or something? Yeah. And you're like, no, same guys, just straight same guys. Hey, and and it's double after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, it, it, we talked about it in Heavenly Creatures that if you see like some of the stuff with the statues coming to life, you're like, okay, I can kind of see it. I can kind of see it a little bit there. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's just got that wild, uh, imaginative energy. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I mean, like I was, uh, I was 13 when Lord of the Rings came out. When I went in, I I knew I wanted to do something movie adjacent, but like maybe halfway through probably within the first 10 minutes I, it just clicked like okay I'm going to do this now I'm going to make movies and um, I hadn't seen any of Peter Jackson's uh, previous work but then of course I went right to the video store found Bad Taste found Dead Alive and all that and just watching them in order and, and especially watching the special features watching him like make that stuff uh, that was just like just like an atom bomb in my head just like going off like wow this this is incredible and i don't have to wait 10 more years to really start doing this and then of course i showed bad taste to the uh, my high school film club they did not uh take to it as much as i did but uh, <laughs> <laughs> did. you did and okay all right yeah and yeah I, I think yeah it's just something like something like that something like evil dead or night of the living dead that it just like it kind of something just snaps 
As long as dad is in, in the title, apparently that's the uh, that's the key thing. You gotta have the word yeah, dad. Work yeah. of the dad, slacker of the dead too. Don't don't forget about Let those. Let's not forget uh, Lucio Fuzzi's zombie line because like. Let me just stick some worms in an eye socket. I can fucking do yeah. that. This, yeah, makes, this is incredible. This is great. Get under these leaves. Let's get a camera. This is cool. Yeah. And we can. Yeah. And Are you going to stop me? How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> we'll make that splinter hat. You're going to stop me from going into this graveyard? What are you going to do? Kick me out? Oh, you are? Okay. <laughs> and we'll come back when you aren't here, and then we'll do it. Give me a little making. Exactly. Well, and, and so. I, getting back to the actual rap monkey filmmaking, really. Me to the film. It's it's why it's so funny to see like this 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 guy like on his this crusading. We, we can only imagine as a crusading investigative reporter, right? Uh, who just like has an axe to grind about the fact that it's not to his taste and doesn't think it should happen. It's like, well, no, like. I like the idea of Forrest of like Peter Jackson, first of all, being apparently like long memory and very vengeful uh, and coming back to him and be like, how about now? How you like me now? You know, but, uh, uh, it's, you know, it's like that country song, right? But he, he's, he's like, you remember me? You remember me when when I when when I made my movie? You uh you you came up to me and you said that you know you didn't think this movie should get made, but uh now now you know I have an Oscar, so do you want to you want to apologize on camera real quick? I brought a I brought a film. Apologize through. to the Oscar, make it better. <laughs> kiss it, kiss it. <laughs> I think this movie is definitely accused of being too violent and then it gets a slash gory and I feel like uh, we were at a wedding this weekend where we were discussing the um, the etymological differences between goons, henchmen and um, what was the okay, third one? like lackeys yeah. Um, yeah. and I feel like there, there is a, a very specific difference between what we've got here between violence and and gore because yeah. i mean um i think the the fact about the bbfc where they wanted to rate this uh 15 plus because they thought that the violence was just too fucking comical to be considered worth right. noting but <laughs> it, it did have to get at 18 because there was just so much fucking violence actually yeah. i pulled up a uh, carnage counts uh, data on this and I, I have it written down here it's a uh, 62 total kills in 97 minutes, which means there's a kill every 0.62 minutes. But but there isn't because there's long stretches where there isn't any, and then there's just mostly at the end. Well, all well, the he's, end. To, he's the one. He's the one guy that's ever trying to keep in any of the movies that we watched so far. That's trying to keep like an entire basement full of fucking you know zombies alive for the entire jug, thing. The jug yeah. of the oh my god, it's so amazing. <laughs> It doesn't really feel like it's the kind of violence you want to ban. I mean, we did go in the basement, and that one is particularly violent, and sometimes people do not handle it well. And I think, like, comparatively, it's, it's, this is, you know, not, not noteworthy. Like, you could show this to a bunch of kids. It's just funny. Our movie is do not show to children. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, well, that, the, the thing that the thing that I think with this one is that there's things like uh, the scene with the custard that I physically felt like sick. I was like, I don't want to be watching. <laughs> like, I, yeah. like, I looked away. I looked away. Yeah, yeah. That, that's when, so. But it, it's stuff like that. But it's not something that you're like, hey, I'm traumatized by this. It's something yeah. that you're like, that is disgusting, and I don't want to watch that happen. But it's like disgusting in a way that you could show to kids, and it's not like the kids going to be traumatized and be like, "You showed me, you know, somebody eating an ear with cust like with custard or whatever." Like it's just something that's so 
grotesque and like funny, but also just like nauseating that I, I don't, I don't feel like it's something that you like can't show kids as much as it's just something that you like don't want to watch in much of the way that I think that um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, a lot of the stuff in that, right? Like, I'm not saying that you should show that to kids, but it was able to get a PG rating. I should show every kid, but like it's, it's, it's able to get a P, like a PG rating because you know the things you see in it are not actually violent to the point where you know that like like you think they are. It, it's just something that just psychologically triggers something in your head where you're like, like I don't want I don't want to see this anymore. Like I've I've had enough of this. But at the end of it, you realize like no, that's like a fake year, and it's just somebody eating cuss. Like it's not something that's gonna traumatize you for a decade. Like uh, yeah. you know, like some oh, more. Uh, interestingly um, enough, the custard scene. Uh, there, there is a version in America that you can actually watch, like the the rated R version. So I guess, I guess that's how it was uh, first released in the states, where they actually cut out the part where she eats the, the ear falls off and she eats it, but they kept in her spitting out the earring. <laughs> so maybe she, she ate the earring earlier. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's just a light snack, you know. Uh, so, I mean, having so having a having a puppy that likes to, you know eat anything that she can find on the ground sometimes you like don't see her eat something you know and then the next thing you know there's an earring she spits it out like maybe that's maybe that's a zombie move too so i'm curious as to what your conclusions were with the lackeys henchmen uh argument because where does the true believer fit in these are the ones um yeah that that's my metric i think that was that was definitely part of it um i think uh, henchmen are in it I, for the cause. Uh, uh, goons and thugs is the third one. The big difference was between goons and thugs. Uh, thugs are just getting the paycheck and they're also violent. Yes, yeah, so you got thugs are in it for the money. Henchmen are in it for the cause. Um, and then what were goons? Where do, uh, where do goblins? Goons, goons are just in? too stupid to care. <laughs> where, where, uh, where, where do goblins fit in? Because listen, there's you know there's a little Wayne lyric. Okay, you're a goon, but what's a goon to a goblin? You know, apparently goblins are farther up on the. Ch- I, I, I didn't know that. You know, like orcs are kind of like henchmen; they're in it for the cause. Um, they're not getting. They're certainly paid. not getting paid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, hey, Bob, just like this show, Bob the Goon from uh, Batman. You know, Tim Burton's Batman. He he seemed to be in it for the cause because because he stuck with uh you know um the Joker. You know, because he was with the Joker before he was the Joker, and then he stuck with him after he became the Joker. So that's like a Gandalf the Grey to Gandalf the White situation where you're going to have to upgrade that character once he makes that decision and give him a yeah. whole new character yeah. outfit. A goon usually starts a sentence like Harley Quinn. Like, ah, uh, gee, boss. Yeah, that's a, that's a good indication. Yeah, there yeah. you go. I, that's oh, good by the, the goon never yeah. spoke in that movie. So are, are, you, are you saying what? Peter Griffin's a goon? I don't <laughs> <laughs> Lowish. <laughs> All right. Well, th- thanks for get, helping us get to the bottom of that. I, but I, I, it's, uh, I think that, well, there's certainly goonish behavior. Um, thugs, goons, and henchmen. Oh, my. Nice. Uh, in a lot of these films, there, I mean, there's always just like this sort of like the Claude, right? Like we talked about, we talked about this in Great some example. of the other options right like where it's just like the person like oh no that's stupid or whatever what about blockheads okay we don't we, we can have a sub show about this all right we, can, we, can, we, we don't need to work it on this one yeah like this sounds like uh after party. i've opened a pandora's fucking box it's a great devo song is what it is and, uh, <laughs> movie night goonstravaganza <laughs> uh but you have the like the claude that sort of uh 
usually inadvertently through their own cloddishness sort of advances the uh, spread of the zombies or the spread of the plague or the spread of the problem or the inciting incident um, just through their sheer like dunderheadedness and or uh, bullheadedness, right? Usually children. I actually, I, actually had a, <laughs> I actually had a much smoother, much smoother transition to get us back. I, I feel like uh, I feel like the, the like uncle that he has that, you know, the uncle is wearing a similar jacket, actually, to the ones that you wear. But, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> who wore it better? This guy right here. Well, yeah, he's his, his gut sticking out to here. The, the yeah, and, and he's got what I love. He's got he's, he's got like a berry. He's got like a cold sore. Like they like they, they, and they his rug was pretty slick, though. He uh, he he feels like he feels like a goon. He feels like someone who would be a lackey of somebody yeah. who's more evil. Like he's yeah. he's he's rapey as fuck. He's you know definitely. Yeah, that's literally where I was going. Where yeah, I was yeah. going at that. So we were going to the but, same place. Yeah, he's got big goon energy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah good. Yeah, if we were cast, I was dead and cried. I would say that the uh, pharmacist who winds up coming back and and fucking with uh, the main character and taking uh, taking Maria uh, back, that's yeah. a blockhead. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, yeah. Okay. He's in it for himself. He's just annoying. Not not evil, just kind of thick. And very subtly, did anyone notice? I yeah. feel like he's Australian from his accent, right? Is that yeah. like a subtle yeah, thing a, in Australia? Yeah. yeah. The uncle's also uh, Uncle Murray. Yeah, also Australian. Yeah. yeah. I think Elizabeth Moody, who played the mother, I think she's British. Oh, I believe hmm. that. She was also in Lord of the Rings. Yes. Right, yeah. Did you guys yes. know that there were actually two mothers? I have a I have a clip to play about New Zealand mothers, and it's it's from the same weird thing, but the, it's kind of cool. There's they they hired uh, two different actresses to play the mother and tried to get them to look similar within this. Themselves insist it's also a reflection of our national identity. The fact that the whole you know, all of us are New Zealand. By the way, it starts right where this left off. It's part of the culture. You know, I mean, culture isn't something, it isn't just opera and ballet. It's the way we eat, the way we live, all that sort Zombies. of things. Zombies, all that sort of stuff, yes. Um, I mean, it's, it's not high art, certainly. I mean, it's not high art. Uh, but it's part of a culture. This, this, star, this film is, is of a particular genre, but it speaks with a New Zealand voice. And certainly most of the characters do speak with a New Zealand voice, though not all. Hello. Do your thing. <laughs> the romantic lead, for there are two romances in this story, is played by a star of Spanish soap opera, Diana Peñalver. Diana is new to New Zealand culture and has never performed splatstick before. Hello. Though she seems to be getting the hang of it. <laughs> Contempt in his voice when he says splat stick is hilarious. Not only I didn't do like something like that, that I never saw a film, a horror, a horror movie. If I saw a horror movies, I I have um, a nightmare. Action. As for the Kiwi actors, if they speak with a New Zealand voice, it's not always an orthodox one. <laughs> Liz Brimmelcombe plays the mother of all zombies without uttering more than a grunt. Liz came back to New Zealand from England, especially for the role, yet she's stuck the whole time under layers of latex. It's really hard. How are you? Um, all right, all right. You're not looking Just hanging in there. <laughs> what a pity to come halfway across the world and not show your face. I know, it's very tragic. Tragic, but at the same time comic, 
because that's why Liz is here to, to take part in some unique New Zealand humour. It's actually very funny. Yeah, I think it's going to be very good. It is very funny. What do you think that says about New Zealand humour? Yeah, it's, it's way, way over the top. I mean, it just goes further than you think it's actually going to go with the time. That's what was funny. I, I, I love her in her very so proper English accent. Makeup, that's amazing. That's so good. Oh well, the thing of it is, is that you know, blah 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 blah. It's quite quiet. Well, me, me and my friends were stopping for a spot of tea, <laughs> and and I said, I said, I, I guess I'd come back to New Zealand to uh, to put this mask on my face. Sure, I, I don't, I don't have anything really going on, so. <laughs> I also, while we're pause, can I say that this reporter, absolutely. 100% no waffles would be the first one to die in an actual zombie apocalypse. <laughs> that movie. Well, I mean, we're, we're talking about Shaun of the Dead uh, on Friday. Like, yeah, it's, not, yeah. it's, it's definitely sure. like one of the guys that, you know, he watches collapse on the fucking side of the street and he's just kind of on the bus. Like, <laughs> but this guy has that big fuckhead energy where he's like, oh, this prick. Like, oh, and he's just being annoying and like annoying to everybody. So you're saying he's like the. Uh, I tell you if like, he got bit. Yes. Are you saying uh, he's like Sean's uh, roommate and <laughs> turns in the shower? We're not there yet, the but like the the fact <laughs> that like this this guy would be central if this if the segment I guess this is worlds within worlds we're looking at the inception of zombie movies here, but like the uh, if the footage we were watching was like the setup to a zombie movie before the actual zombies came out like on the set of the zombie movie that reporter would be the first one to go hundred percent yeah yeah at least, if, at least if I was writing it. <laughs> I disapprove of this of this violence. And that's but, it, you know, but that's I would it. like the idea of the lead actress being in zombie makeup, but not being no. a zombie. And then like, and then she's like the leader of the. Hey, we should actually we should write this down. I could write that movie. Yeah. She also um, looks like she's ready to say Zingaya. <laughs> I just wish they'd the, let her take off the mask for this interview about how it's the same. I don't see why this guy's such a prick. He's like interviewing her, like in like this, this like he's trying, uh, he's trying to start actress. Shit. He's trying to start shit within the cast, right? He's, he's like, trying to start he's shit. Like, exactly. That's why it's kind of not great that you know they have you come all the way from England and you yeah. can't you can't take you can't take off your mask. Like now I'm now I'm stuck doing a British accent. All right, I'm gonna go back <laughs> to my Well, maybe he knew that this was gonna give them Kevin Zorbo, so you know they they were just like, fuck this, we don't want Kevin Zorbo co uh, showing up. Let, let's let's uh, uh let's ruin this production. All right, now I'm ready to hear the rest of the clip. Liz is one of two actresses to play a mother who keeps her grown-up son Lionel tied to her apron strings. You'll have to do the silver. I polished it last week. She becomes jealous when she sees Lionel with a Spanish girl from the local dairy, and follows them on their romantic trip to Wellington Zoo. But as she spies on the couple, Wait, I need to, I need she's to go back by a second. rat monkey. The, the storyboard kicks ass. Like, look, at that, look at that expression. Uh, that's like the expression I give Andy when he takes us off topic. This is all right. So, so I've made. I've. I don't think it's been on this joke that I on this show that I've made the joke, but I've made a joke several times about how I think that there should be a Barbara Bush drag queen, and that is a hundred percent what I had in mind for a Barbara Bush drag queen. That is it. That is it. That's this is I need <laughs> them on their romantic Wait, trip to, to Wellington's week. She becomes jealous when she sees Lionel with a Spanish girl from the local dairy. And yeah, Barbara Bush. There is a and the name the name isn't any different, by the way. It's just the, the drag queen's name is Barbara Bush. Barbara Bush. Follows them. <laughs> 
them on their romantic trip to Wellington Zoo. But as she spies on the couple, she's bitten by a rat monkey and starts to turn into a zombie. Careful, it'll stick on crooked. Lionel seems more embarrassed than surprised at this turn of events and tries to hush it up to prevent the neighbours from seeing. But the zombies multiply and in the end, the once meek young man has only one option. Mass murder with a motor mower. <laughs> now, like Lionel, the director, uh, as mentioned Mr. Jackson earlier, himself, he's just making it look was awesome. tied to his mother's apron strings. At least, he lived at home till he was 27. So, could Brain Dead in some way be autobiographical? No, it's not actually. My, my mother's the furthest thing from a zombie you could imagine. She's very nice. No, no, I'm anything but a zombie. <laughs> Mrs. Jackson lives can, a peaceful can, can life in Bukarua Bay. One thing, um, since, first of all, fuck this guy for f trying to, like, make that illusion, too. I'm, I'm going to dislike this guy more and more, which definitely means he's getting it from the zombies as the first <laughs> one. But the thing I love about Peter Jackson's mom is, while making uh, Bad Taste, first film, she would make sandwiches for him and all of his friends and crew and, like, bring them out every day. I just think that is the coolest, sweetest thing ever. I feel like she, she, uh, she sadly passed away a few days before. Really she she sadly passed away a few days before Fellowship of the Ring came out. Like they uh, a big part of uh, the, the first showing of it. I'm pretty sure it was Fellowship, and it wasn't Two Towers, but uh, like they showed it actually uh, at her funeral after because she had helped out with it and everything. So yeah, like yeah. Did, so a, a screening of it before it actually came out was like at her funeral, and she seems like the sweetest lady in the world. Seriously, yeah. He's like, this <laughs> yeah, long, long live uh, Peter Jackson's mom. Yes. And, and confesses to caring little for Splatter. She can't explain either why her son, who had a happy, normal childhood, should have grown up to be fascinated by gore. Not really, except the little girl next door. They used to play with the little girl next door. And um, she would rather play with his trucks and bulldozers and things than play with her dolls and that. And uh, one day they came over here to play and bought a couple of dolls with them. I thought, oh, that'll be good. But instead of playing with them, they hung them. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Great sticky toffee pudding. <laughs> well, and so, so uh, one thing, and I just, I, I, I cannot overemphasize this. Fuck that reporter. Uh, and but I, love, I love the way she said instead of playing with them they hung them well that's, that's what i'm saying but like yet again yet again he tried to like he had like this thing he's trying to like crowbar in his his narrative and he just makes it look cooler and he makes everyone involved more awesome yeah so it's almost like a like a psyop or like you know like whatever a stage thing like you couldn't possibly have scripted this any better it's, it's like that guy who called the police on the Beatles when they were doing the rooftop show. Yes, yes, absolutely. Which, which, which is so incredible because it's one of the moments. Which again, Peter Jackson, right? Peter oh, Jackson. Yeah, yeah. And he and he knew to he knew to include that. And it's like everybody. I personally, oh, I don't know if you can tell by the guitars. I play in a band, but like at that moment in time, the Beatles are on the same level as like anybody who's ever played like a basement show or something along those lines. Where you got the guy like, oh no no, oh yeah, we'll we'll totally get you up there. Oh yeah, we'll we'll tell him to stop. And they're like they're just like delaying the cops, and he does it in the split screen, and you see like the Beatles 
on the rooftop, just like, just, you know, okay, can we get through a couple more songs? Okay, yeah, we can. And then, like, not even, like, and you get to see it. It's such a beautifully composed shot. It It is that, first of all, I love that, that whole documentary. I think it's, like, a prerequisite if you play music that you love that, unless you're just a Beatles hater. But that alone is, like, makes it all worthwhile. Like, there's a lot of things on there. And, like, to know to include that and be like, oh, my God, amazing. That's so good. Because, again, you're just making them look more awesome, cop. <laughs> like, you're just making them look better. Like, why are you doing this? You're not, this is the, this is not the look that you think it is. Yeah. yeah. So, before we do, uh, oh, yeah, never mind. Yeah, well, I was going to say, it's like banning any yeah. kind of book or anything. I mean, literally, anytime you tell any group of people to not do something, that's I, all press is good press. Yeah. Especially teens. Yeah. And especially in movies where you don't have a press budget. Yes, please get mad at me on the nightly news. <laughs> um, I so I wanted to play before we do a uh, like letterbox and then jump to the uh you know to the um to the after party. I have this uh news clip that they played of the live premiere of this movie, and it was kind of interesting. They like interviewed a lot of people involved in it and stuff. Okay. And uh, I, it's I think it's more positive press if I remember correctly because I cut it a couple nights ago, but. Uh, I think it's more positive press than this guy who was giving it a lot of a lot of shit. Well, I thought they might be appropriate as I am in Billy Rolston's stomping ground. I came to Wellington tonight for blood, guts and gore, not political hot wind. Yes, the Kiwi film Braindead has its New Zealand premiere tonight and I just had to be here simply to see who would come to a film that redefines our conceptions of bad taste. For a moment there, the capital felt like Cannes or New York on opening night. But Wellingtonians just don't quite understand the concept of black tie. Director Peter Jackson had a black shirt. Brain dead. My word. Yeah, but I thought this was Batman Returns. We come to the wrong cinema. There's no mistaking the movie, though. Peter Jackson's carved himself an international reputation for his splatter approach to filmmaking. It was great fun. It was hard work, but the, um, the, the crew are really good. They had to be really good to work for 13 weeks and, and uh, covered in maple syrup and um, food colouring. So it seems to be sort of totally over the top. Do, do, do you get yeah. any worse than this? <laughs> I don't think so. It's going to take a good one to beat this one. Bill Ralston didn't beat the natives. Despite this amazing display of marksmanship, he bought it early on. Expecting his second child any day now, did it seem funny taking part in a movie she won't be allowed to see for another 16 years? I know it's bizarre, isn't it? I brought Jenny here. She's 10 days overdue. I reckon the sight of brain dead will bring it on halfway through the movie. Except no one will notice because there's so much gore in it. Brain dead makes childbirth look sort of clean and sterile. Hi, guys. It's me with my original motion picture soundtrack. Not that you get much time to concentrate on the music. <laughs> Lead man Timothy Baum thought it was going to be a compassionate love story. Oh, oh. 
she enjoyed it nonetheless. Oh, a whole heap. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Have yeah. you ever done anything like it before? <laughs> no, and I probably never will again. Timothy Brown won Best Actor Award at Rome's Fanta Film Festival. What does he reckon he'd go on raising real children? No, no, when I take my son to the park, we have a slightly more um, safe time. And Braindead's world premiere went down tonight. Sort of all right. Um, I'm still actually trying to recover at the moment. <laughs> it was the ultimate gross saint. It was great. If you don't take it too seriously, it's excellent. I thought it was hilarious. It was really good entertainment. Incredibly good technically. Superb. Yeah. Good taste? Well, that's great. <laughs> Maybe not. That's a good point. This is a technically really accomplished movie. Like, I like yeah. his laugh. I like that guy's laugh though, and he's like, but technically great. <laughs> it's like kitsch, you know, kitsch art where you're like, it's bad, but it has a certain uh, technicalness, a certain thing about it that makes it good within the genre of bad art. I mean, that's literally what John Waters built his whole career on. I was gonna um, say some people make it a lifestyle brand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like pornography. I can't quite describe it, but I know it if I see it. Uh, with like what what is good what it's bad um, I was saying when that clip was running the scene where they're in the park with the with the child I don't know if you guys know they were under budget and they had money to go back and film something else to add on to the film that's what they did they went that's and what they they <laughs> just that scene and Peter Jackson says it is his favorite scene of the entire film and it was the unbelievably fun to film Imagine watching that movie and then finding out they were, they finished under budget. That's insane. Astounding. So the the yeah. whole thing, I think the whole thing is that they were really scared about um, when they did uh, Bad Taste, when they did Meet the Feebles, both times they went far over budget. Like they had to keep giving them like cash infusions from the actual government, which is an insane thing to think about in the US. Like imagine the government ever giving you an extra cash infusion. We need money for more pervy puppets. Yeah. But puppet yeah. is so hard though. I could see going over bu budget with, with puppet <laughs> You totally can't. Like, no, so no, the gigantic penis. We need it to. Uh... <laughs> so they were so careful, I think on this movie to stay, you know, cause they're, they're in this position of uh, like incredible precarity for the entire program. Program. so it's like yeah. stay no stay like stay under budget stay under budget and then uh, but i didn't know that about the the, the baby scene because it was kind of hilarious they're like all right well we got money to blow what can we do we like, money. Let's, <laughs> let's show them what we can do <laughs> well and that's it's, oh oh go ahead sorry Jared. <laughs> no it was just it was just, it's just saying kick the baby oh yeah well i was gonna kick say we didn't i had four four things that like I, I wanted to get to one of them was just the baby like, yes. can we just talk about the baby for for a minute? Get, getting his hobbit shit in, doing that like <laughs> forced perception. He's just getting ready for Hobbiton down the road. Yep, yep. and inspiring Zack Snyder for his little zombie baby. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You're Mackay Pfeiffer. Love it's also just like the idea of like. These are not zombies in the way that Romero kind of framed them, right? Like where it's just like, you know, uh, they have a, a constant appetite and they're just, you know, trying to eat like people and like they're, they're, they're a lot more, um, they have a lot more, I think, going on. And so for them to kind of like just start like fucking on the table or whatever when he's talking to his uncle in the right. other room, like is is hilarious. Like that's a hilarious thing because it's not just like he's watching a bunch of zombies that are, you know, like bumbling around trying to like rapid speed eat him or like trying to slowly kind of like no like th these are like 
these are like children in a way or like uh like like weird feral animals like they're they're doing all of this stuff and he has to stop them and pull them apart and it's not just you know the the simplicity of like oh well you know these are zombies just kind of like going around the room or whatever like the kind of to have them be eating or whatever and he's like no take the spoon take the spoon or whatever and like puts the spoon up to them is kind of a, a hilarious bit too well, that's really funny because when we first sat down before we had even started filming and you guys joined us, um, we were talking about, like, do you consider this film within the lexicon or within the world of zombie films? And mm -hmm. it, what you just described there makes me think of, I don't know if you guys are into video games at all, or if you're familiar with Dark Souls. Yeah. Um, in Dark Souls, they have this, this term for people that they're called undead. And undead are usually found doing what they would have done in their past life, just very sadly, very meekly, like making a pot or trying to grab something out of the dirt. And so in that sense, I feel like, yeah, these are kind of undeads. Like they, they fuck, they eat, they remember kind of being human, even though they aren't. Which goes back to I Am Legend, which I've invoked every single episode so far. And when I say I Am Legend, I don't mean the Will Smith vehicle. I mean the book I Am Legend, which is astounding and never has been uh, actually made exactly right. But they've tried three times now. Uh, but that's in the in the book I Am Legend, and again, or, they're, they're... or if you count the Schwarzenegger one that never got made, <laughs> I don't because it didn't get made. But they they attempted to make it. I am uh, legend. <laughs> but the... and that one doesn't often get lumped in with zombie movies either. Because the thing is, they're they're meant to be they're technically closer to vampires. But the thing is that the the thing that's scary is that like oh no, but they continue to do their same routines, and yeah, they're kind of like trying to get him to come out of the house because like they're into the same <laughs> they're trying to engage him with all the routines and, and, yeah, and in order to get rid of him to get him out of the picture and then but of course the big turnaround in i am legend is I, apparently i'm going to mention every single episode is that yeah oh no he's the monster the rest of the world is now this now and he's it's the monster because he kills them it's more psychological because you're implying that there's they're not dead they're sentient there's something there they're sentient. Like, it's another form mother. of life you're still killing your mother here lionel you know, yeah, and civilization living impaired, yes, yeah, living impaired. Well, and then so the going back to again, what we talked about last episode with a bit of Bonnie, too, about like the fact, like, no, civilization has actually continued on, it's just that, like, he's the monster now, so that's like why they've somehow have ne still never made a good version of I Am Legend. So, so could, you, could you argue that I Am Legend and all that kind of stuff is almost like an X Men situation where we're mutating? So, should we really? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <laughs> I I mean I I guess I never thought about it that way, but yeah, I mean sure, why not, right? <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> but but can I just say another great scene is um because he's big into like I would call it ruinous empathy. Like he's got too much empathy towards like oh no no I, it's it's my mother you know even though yeah. she's. Like he he can't reconcile the fact that like she's dead, so it's like okay, no, I'm gonna like tranquilize her instead. And then didn't well, that by the way, did you guys pick up this time that that was a Nazi? Oh yeah, yeah he's got the Nazi. <laughs> yeah, no, that that 100 percent was the last episode. We, we we didn't realize it till like it was two episodes episode, ago, like on air that that one of the yeah, characters no. was a Nazi in uh, yeah. Return of the Living Dead. When um it, that that scene, if you watch it on VHS, when they cropped it for pan scan, like that armband isn't 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 in the shot. Yeah. So it wasn't until like I saw it on DVD and like the actual. Oh, that you actually saw it in the full. Interesting. Yeah. So, okay. So I'm. I'm... Yes. <laughs> so getting back to what I was saying before uh, Andy decided to interrupt me to mention that uh, is that uh, when 
you you really get the idea of like oh no again and this also goes back to like you know the gory versus violent right where it's like he's not at, at any moment in time like he could have like taken like violent actions he goes above and beyond not to do so to the detriment of literally everyone it actually makes it worse but the best moment is when it's like you see like the the, the bottle like roll over and it's animal stimulant and the animal stimulant affects them in, in, in a very unique way like so it's it's but it's it's a way that can only escalate almost like cartoon style right because you've seen him the entire what's yeah. that could you say acme animal <laughs> totally because you've seen him the entire movie like try to like oh he's trying not to do any harm he's trying not to do any harm and and then it's like oh no you just gave him just you just like you supercharge them. You gave them. Like, I mean, I I feel them, that as know? someone who's on the dose of stimulants daily that would kill an animal. So, you know. <laughs> but but I think that that's it's notable because it's very earned, and the fact that even this the same guy that has the this is one of the other things that uh, oh it's Olivia's hello, uh, Olivia's coming on on Friday to talk about Shaun of the Dead. Actually, without Christina, which is without like... Christina, which is weird. But I mean, <laughs> it'll, it'll be great, Hilly. Don't worry it'll about be it. Fun. Uh, the, the same guy, the same guy who's, who's, whose empathy is beyond ruinous is also the same guy who goes through the entire run of zombies with a lawnmower, which is maybe one of the best scenes in all of horror. Yes. Well, like, and, and it also, I mean, it has to be right. Cause, also, cause you see it just hold on for it. Just give me like, yeah. give me like 10 more seconds here that like. You see him just like go, go, and it's just like there's blood and stuff flying, and oh, it's going. Oh my god, it's so crazy! It's so crazy. It seems like it goes on for forever, and then you stop and he turns around, and it's like one small little line in this entire room, <laughs> and it is the funniest thing. Even though the most, it's depraved, utterly depraved. But you see that the first time you see that, I could not stop laughing for like a solid ten minutes. Or, or whenever he was trying to run and his uh. There's a there's a thing though also by the end of it, right? Like he has to defeat the uh like the visions from his mother, like uh, as a kid, where he actually, you know, is traumatized so from seeing his dad get drowned and has told himself this thing the whole time. And like he can't he can't function and he can't move on until he actually um you know confronts the entire uh you know meat body i guess of his of his mother that he needs to and she's the she's like the the queen of the zombies and she can actually she's the one that can actually talk <laughs> out of all of them and it's like it's one of those things it's like yeah like emotionally or like um spiritually or whatever you want to call it psychologically like he has to defeat that in order to uh end the entirety of of this entire um you know like the zombie apocalypse which makes perfect sense i don't know why you know more and, and also be able to have his relationship with Bakita too i mean yeah to really have an adult relationship he needs to get beyond his mommy issues his mommy Meaning, his mommy issues <laughs> in every sense of the term like like the fact yeah. that like she's a gigantic zombie that's uh harrowing <laughs> the building as well as you know psychological damage emotional damage yeah She's basically a kaiju by the end of it. She really is. <laughs> Which is crazy because, like, you, you think to yourself, like, oh, this couldn't possibly escalate further. How could this escalate further? Oh, it escalated further. All right. Yeah, it's a kaiju tits. It that, was, that's how it was yeah. the escalation. And the amount of you, blood. You made it. You made it bloodlytical. Is, uh, <laughs> is part of that reason why. Although I did look up the math and it's, uh, it's about, like, 
80 gallons of fake blood in that particular scene, <laughs> which is not, not to be undone, but there is about 3,000 gallons in the shining elevator scene. So yeah. although it's not the bloodiest, it is considered one of the goriest scenes. And what I think is so crucial about why splatter stick works and why that scene in particular works is when we laugh, like culturally, the idea of laughter is to tell the people around you like, hey, it's okay, everything's okay. So, yeah. you know, you kind of get numb to all this violence, all this violence. Stop. He wipes the slate clean by getting us to laugh. Then he can yeah. fucking scare us again. Yeah. Otherwise, we're just emotionally numb and we can't have another beat. There is no more breath. Cool. And the scene can't go that long. Hell yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Say uh, that that brings <laughs> us that brings us to uh one of the letterbox one-liners. Uh that you uh, have. It, it does real quick before we do that, because I'm not sure we're going to have a chance. I feel like we're being disingenuous to not at least uh, give it way in on Paquita as a character. Um, uh, Katie, why don't you start us off as, as the, as the lady of the. Panel. I mean, um, does this film pass the Bechdel test is probably that first place you want to start. Um, although certain situations that pack the back past the Bechdel test are not feminist. Um, I don't think we have two women that, well, we have two women that talk to each other in that zombie scene, but I think they are talking about the uncle. Um, yeah, that's a good question. I hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, the female characters are a little shallow. Yeah. Uh, I don't think she's written particularly well. Um, she talked with her mother a little bit over the tarot cards. Yeah. About, but yeah. that's about, about him. So at least it's not really Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, yeah, no, it doesn't really, because because uh, the closest thing maybe is uh, her talking to the nurse about the guy's mother. Yeah, uh, yeah. It is it is interesting though how as a like if you if you look at Lionel as a character that uh, you know makes all the decisions that you a person might make like the empathetic decision, the decision not yeah. to kill. Um, Maria is kind of the character that makes all the decisions I wouldn't make. Like to continue mm. to be insistent that this is going to be the relationship that works when, like, <laughs> it's, it's like cut bait and run. So and, and, yeah. and she's and she's just like, she seems horrified. Mm, mm, back. Mm. She seems horrified in the beginning that that is the relationship that has predicted by like her, you know, her uh, Romani, uh, you know, ancestors or whatever yeah. that's going to work. Like, she doesn't seem like it's not like she instantly falls in love. It's that she is told, hey, this is, you know, this is in the tarot cards. And you would assume that, you know, the tarot cards in, in her family situation, the Spanish Roma, like the Spanish Romani in, you know, in, in New Zealand, like that would be the, the only way that, you know, she can actually uh, fulfill herself is by following what her family tells her to do. I'm not saying that that's like a good thing or like a positive characterization thing, but I, I think that, you know, Lionel's whole role is, 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 is that he doesn't want to make a decision, right? Like he's, uh, going out of his way to not make a decision, even even going to the doctor and getting yeah. the, the tranquilizer is not making a decision. It's, it's saying hot, like, hot, hey, hot. I'm going to yeah. yeah, I'm going to push this off. I can't. So, you know, the entire movie, you're kind of watching a guy not make any decisions based on the fact that more and more people keep turning, which is uh, kind of fascinating when you look at every single other zombie movie we've done where kind of people go into like um, they either get bitten or they go into like high gear where it's like, all right, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to become the man that I should be. And it's like, no, you don't get that until six minutes before the movie's over. Like he, he causes <laughs> yeah. all of this. Like, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and that, and that's and there's it's a play to comedic effect. You know, when she turns early on too, when you have like the radio play going, and Paquita's like, "Wait, what's going on down there?" And like you hear like your radio play, like, "Oh, oh sorry, that was your favorite face." You know, like what? It, like, oh, okay, then it's fine. You know, like like because right. here's like the radio play going, and think it's them talking, like this, stuff like that. That's really funny. But she's not a dummy. She's just no, a bit she, of a believer. She purposefully looks away from a lot of pretty obvious signs to follow the one sign from her grandmother. Like, yeah. that's the one I'm going to ignore all this other shit when, like, reality is kind of throwing some, I guess, red flags, if you will. Also, uh, it was the 50s. <laughs> Which you know. almost, seems like it's almost every Peter Jackson movie that isn't. Uh, the Lord of the Rings, even, you know, is, is written. In yeah, everything's a period piece, including Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not the Frighteners, right? Yeah, no, Frighteners not a period piece. It is now. Well, now it is, yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, they didn't even have cell phones. If it's old enough to be vintage, because that's that 40 years. See the, the Lord of the Rings publication dates 1954, 1954, and 1955. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, but I think that this, uh, uh, yeah, like I think she's an interesting character in the fact that she's not, she's not bad. She's not like a bad, badly written character. You don't hate and her. It, and I think that, but it's also like, she's not especially great either. But then you stop and think about it, neither is he. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, she seems to be kind of a stereotype. And I'm not saying that in like, a, oh, this movie is like necessarily like racist or something. But she seems to be like an ethnic stereotype of yeah. uh, somebody that's like, that's following their their family's kind of mystical, uh, right, you know, right. Romani powers. And she's like, well, this is clearly, but then the, the grandmother seems to keep it from her. And she's like, oh, what's that card with like, you know, oppression and death? Yeah. And she's like, she's like, oh, nothing, nothing. Don't yeah, worry don't about, about that, that one. one. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, no big deal. <laughs> Those cards are not normally found in a regular tarot deck, although found in, in the Thorpe's deck uh that they they use for that because i looked it up and i was like i ain't never seen oppression as a card before <laughs> i thought they made it for this film but it, it does exist in in the romani deck that's interesting wow yeah oppression is uh that's 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 there's not much to interpret there it's, uh, they made tarot cards well that's a good one right yeah that's well, good what is like debauchery or something like debauch and like <laughs> oh, i thought it was like the ace of cups yeah, no, it, it's exactly. it's woke tarot cards. That's what they're doing. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, oppression, college campus. What is this? <laughs> last, last thing since we since we like, did. Yeah, I wish I came up with that one. <laughs> before we came up, uh, before we move over to letterbox one liners, I do think it's interesting that the zombies, the you know the the rat monkey zombies, kind of follow the Return of the Living Dead rules. Right, like mm -hmm. the fact that even their, <laughs> even their internal organs are animated. Uh... <laughs> Best character of the movie. <laughs> yeah, which is very specific for the uh, lungs. I, I, exactly. They gave it little eyes and a mouth. I know it's so amazing. <laughs> yeah, we're just like <laughs> posing in the mirror with his little lungs. That's, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. The um... oh god, the the space balls when the jumps out and it does the yeah, da, 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 hello da. my baby hello my darling yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like slapstick someone from the new zealand government came the day they shot that like, oh yeah. <laughs> to see how their money was being used like well uh the tree people are out there yeah. the fucking like lion king making it fart 
we got a we got a real, real vital scene coming up. <laughs> well, we talked about we talked about like mad cow disease or something, right? Like that comes from uh, you know, like nano. Yeah, that was the zombie the zombie land. Uh, yeah, like so, but that was yeah. hitting. You know, it hit the That's the U.S. Crazy. in the two thousands. It hit Britain in the nineties. Uh, like as like a mass epi- epidemic. So you can think of like diseases, either that or like something like AIDS, where it's like you know animal to animal like transfer. You know what I mean? Like two animals mate, and then instead of coming up with uh with like a, an animal that's like just a hybrid, like it's sick and it has a disease that transfers to humans. Like I could see that being a, an interesting thought for like um when the, what they're coming up with, like hey, what's the what's the rat monkey going to do? And it's yeah. like, oh, well, maybe the rat monkey has some disease that, like, transfers to humans, like mad cow disease or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, oh. that's I mean, that's a pretty easy, easy common fear that, like, you know, something from a wet market is going to start another pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, ah, the wet market, wet market rats <laughs> uh, are going to be the, the next plague. Yeah, how can you look at an adorable creature and think it could ever do any wrong? <laughs> But I mean, like literally, like literally, they you know they had the thing that AIDS uh, they claimed came from a, a person eating a monkey or whatever, mm-hmm. and you know, so it, it could be something like it's almost something like that where it's like that kind of devouration of a of a creature that seems to be um, like almost like related to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, not almost, like it is like you know seems like that link well, between all from rat monkeys. Yeah, <laughs> and that's yeah, why some of us snitch. Because yeah, they're fucking term- rat, <laughs> rat monkeys. <laughs> yeah, there is a terminology for when a virus kind of changes so that it can jump from species to species. I think it's like zoo, zoo, zoo something, zootropic, zoonotic, zoo something. Um, and there we are bought a zoo. Yeah, we bought, we bought a, we bought a disease. Uh, it didn't end up going well, um, but we bought it all the same. <laughs> well, you got the zoo for uh, for a little bit cheaper because you know all the diseases were in it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Zoonotic. Zoonotic is it? Zoonotic. Zoonotic. Yeah. Which also sounds like uh, you know a good DJ name. Yeah, I was gonna say it's, it's a great Nas album. Yeah. Uh, you, you made it zoonotical. <laughs> so I think it is. I, there, I don't think there's anything to do right now other than go to the Letterbox one liners right for us. Yeah. So uh, oh well. It's going to enter the bit first, but yeah, it's really, really urgent. Okay. Uh, so Letterboxd, of course. My finger slips. No problem. Letterboxd, of course, is a place for film. It's a place for film lovers to talk at, with, and to each other. Social media site where it's a bottom-up democracy. Everyone gets to have their say, not just the Siskels and Ebers. Everyone gets to sound off with the movies they love, the movies they didn't love, the movies they were weirdly thirsty for. Uh, all of that, so much more. Best expressed in the classic work in your tight five in front of your brick wall, just like the ones y'all are in front of right now at the comedy <laughs> store in the classic one-liner format. These are the letterbox one-liners for dead alive or brain dead. If you will, everything I could ever ask for in a romance film, <laughs> including, you know, including, uh, uh, the uncle pissing. <laughs> was, that, was that written by the actor who played Lionel? We thought this was. A- <laughs> <laughs> we'll get in there. Get my Everything I could ever ask for in a, in a romance film. <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, kind of, kind of, you know, take a while to get there, but he got everything he's looking for. You know, hey. I mean, it, it, it's basically like shoehorning a zombie movie into like a Charlie Chaplin movie. <laughs> it it kind of is a little bit. Yeah. Like a turducken. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. a turducken. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's about the only thing missing from this movie was a zombie turducken, frankly. Thank you. All right, next. Whoever saw this and thought, yes, we want him to direct Lord of the Rings was an absolute genius. There had to have been so much cocaine involved in that decision. Like, like, oh, it's for a Coppola level amount yeah. of cocaine. Enough cocaine to stun a David Bowie. Yes. <laughs> I like yeah, how, mate. I like yeah, how mate. My, yeah, let's do it, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my letterbox no! one letter is a lot like that one, except for like a little bit more skeptical. It was uh, not sure what the fuck I just watched, but I like the idea that someone watched it and said, this is the guy who's absolutely perfect to make the Lord of the Rings trilogy. There you go. Yeah, so there, not not sound reductive. There were a bunch of those like that, but yeah, uh, Jared just dropped a truth bomb on me. I'm not sure you guys heard. Oh, what what was it? There there was a guy who saw this and decided he'd be great for Lord of the Rings. Unfortunately, that guy was Harvey Weinstein. Oh, yeah. So basically, the guy that's in the graphic that I picked, the uncle from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He saw this movie. He's like, I, I see myself in this movie. <laughs> I've never done that before. There's some character in this that just reminds me of me. Like a New Zealand version of me. Oh, is it the Sumatran rat thing? <laughs> there, there's, a, there's a mockumentary that Peter Jackson did between Heavenly Creatures and the Frighteners called uh, Forgotten Silver. Mm -hmm. And it, it's a fake documentary about this guy from New Zealand who like turned out to have invented like so many different like uh, film techniques. And Peter Jackson plays himself as he's like kind of discovering stuff about this guy. Unfortunately, uh, I haven't seen this movie since I was in high school, though. Uh, unfortunately, Harvey Weinstein is also a major character playing himself. So uh, <laughs> horrible. Yeah. D does he uh, water the plants, uh, shall we say? No, he does not. Good. But then we can watch. <laughs> not literally or figuratively. Thank, thank God. <laughs> My favorite movie to eat custard to. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, it's so gross. The guy does. The guy is so great though in that because he's just like custard. Oh, I haven't had this in a while, and like his wife leaves and just <laughs> fucking like, take it, and he's like, "Fashion Gavin." <laughs> Jared, were you there the day that we shot the uh, Thanksgiving dinner scene on Killing Brook? Oh yes. Yes, I was. Oh, that, that was. Oh, it was like a hundred degrees. We couldn't open the windows because sound. Uh, and there was this just fetid fucking turkey. It was like just hours <laughs> of filming under hot lights. And it's just, and the scene is supposed to be gross. Uh -huh. oh. Well, that's the and, same thing with, uh, you know, bringing it up again, I guess. It was a pudding. Uh, it was like a smelly pudding. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that dinner scene where they have like the, the meat or whatever, they kept filming for like two two separate days where they actually had like the, you know, they were finishing all the meat in that. And it's it's kind of like almost a similar thing, I guess. Yeah, I heard that those actors were like opening the windows to throw up in between takes. Yeah, and, and yeah, no, they were. We, we watched that when we talked that. about Texas Chainsaw Massacre last week. Yeah. Yeah, because something about that, like my favorite thing to eat custard too, I, I immediately remembered the pudding Whoa. from that. So I, I can't eat any kind of custard pudding thing anymore after that. Oh, understandable. New Zealand is just like this, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been there. I can confirm. It's exactly like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But, but with documentary. 
There's a little more sheep in it, though. It's it's really understated how many sheep there are. <laughs> <laughs> I was at a uh, bit more sheep. <laughs> I was at a bus station once with my uh, friend from New Zealand, and she was playing with the the thing that uh, divides up the the lines, and, and accidentally like like uh, gets to retract back, and um uh this Canadian friend was just like chastising her for playing with it, and, and uh, I'm just like leave her alone. In New Zealand, they don't have these. They just they divide up the lines with sheep. <laughs> she gets them <laughs> you know, this is this is this is novel for her. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's gonna be responsible for him not to have any sheep in this movie, honestly. I think he blew them all up in bad taste. Although the real irony is Oh, that that's a good point, yeah. They imported sheep for Lord of the Rings because they wanted them to be black faced sheep, which is traditional to the like Oh, England. you couldn't do that. Uh, oh <laughs> so they didn't have those sheep there, so they legitimately fucking imported sheep for that movie. Why is it gotta be a black sheep? <laughs> I bet you know. black faced sheep. What is this? What are you <laughs> I know. That's that's what they prefer to call them. That's the preferred nomenclature. Right, right. <laughs> All right, let's do the next one. Next. <laughs> Never wanted to see a baby die more. True. 100%. I like that yeah. comment. I, I was that homeless guy in the park just, like, cheering him on the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Fuck this baby! <laughs> I pity the cleaning crew that had to clean this house after filming Wrapped. All that pulp. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, you put chocolate syrup too, which is the smellier choice, in my oh opinion. God. It looks amazing, but yeah, good lord. <laughs> There's cult fiction going on in this story. Oh, yes. Like they didn't even know what it was gonna what the job was gonna be until they showed up. <laughs> exactly. You want me to clean all this up? Oh <laughs> we should have talked about the rates earlier. My favorite horror movie that has both a zombie baby and a zombie yeah. priest. Yeah. 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 I, guess. Yeah. Yeah. I kick ass for the Lord. <laughs> oh my God. It's an hour and 36 minutes into the show. And how have we not mentioned that line before? Which well, I had it in the actual time. intro. Yeah. 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 We haven't talked about it. How is that guy not John Cleese? <laughs> he seems like he would be John Cleese, but he's not. It's I also, uh, I also would think it was really, really funny if they had like uh, Terry Jones playing the mother in drag. Being like... Oh yeah, does <laughs> do a great backhead lady. I'm, I'm going to. I, I can, can you, can you come in here, Lionel, Lionel? <laughs> oh, I think I'm dying, Lionel. <laughs> I've been bitten. Oh, I've been bitten. <laughs> but that's the rare case where uh, that's the, that's the rare case where if you were to recast that and put the Python people in. It wouldn't necessarily be that much different. You know what I mean? Like, it's sort of like, no, it would it be funnier? I don't know, maybe a little bit, but like, <laughs> yeah, you know. It might be a little bit more bonkers if Gillian was directing it. Yeah, maybe, maybe there was more, you know, some more improv or something. But, you know, yeah, it's hard to say. I was talking to somebody yesterday where we were trying to think about, like, if History of the World Part 1 had been done by Monty Python instead of Mel Brooks, what what kind of difference would you feel in it? Oh, yeah. Wouldn't be as many Jewish jokes. <laughs> yeah. yes. Or there They're might be, and then John Cleese would have a lot more to complain about. Hey, everybody. Be a lot more Hitler. He <laughs> wouldn't be on ice. <laughs> be like two-thirds of the movie would just be Hitler jokes. <laughs> if you have someone that voluntarily helps you dispose of rotting dead bodies, they are a keeper. 
Yeah. True. <laughs> yes. Almost no questions. Yeah. True fact stated. Well, her grandmother pulled out a tarot card and. Yeah, it's all you need. She's a Romani lady. <laughs> I can't recommend watching this when you're a stupid 15 year old boy enough. <laughs> Agreed. Because that's when I saw it too. Same. Hard same. Yes. I, I wish I saw it when I was 15. I, I took me till college for me to see this. Took me until Saturday for me to see this. <laughs> <laughs> Three Hobbit movies, but only one brain dead. Peter Jackson, why? <laughs> <laughs> and those, of course, are the letterbox one-liners for Dead Alive, aka Brain Dead. You can follow the show on Letterbox. Moving extravaganza. That's your host, Boris, right over there. I, of course, am Conan, big goon energy neutron. I'm all over Letterboxd as well. Um, and I literally just watched uh, the new Ref, Refn, the, the guy that did Drive, like that. I didn't realize it was 12 and a half hours at the time, uh, but I was like sick all weekend. But uh, it was amazing. That's all I'll say. And it was it was art. It was art in the way that I would say Mad God is art, but without being a bit like Mad God. Like it was like. Okay. Like at times I'm like, do I even like this? I don't know. But um, but it, it's nothing like Mad God, to be clear. But uh, if you want to see that review, as well as many others uh, of mine, uh, Kona Neutron on Letterboxd, J. Andrew World over there. It's hard for me to point. I have to like point around guys. Yeah. Can you guys, we'll do like a pointing chain. Uh, watching all the weirdest crap. Uh, so you don't have to, or maybe so you can. I don't know. Who am I to judge? Uh, but he's over there right about now, too. A lot of our featured guests are on uh, Letterboxd. Jared's well. on there. Jared is on there. And write such your... great reviews, guys. They're so fucking funny. I'm going to follow, follow your ass them. right now. I, what's, I love what, them. Uh, what's your... This uh, one you do a, 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 a Siskel, oh, no, a Gene Shalit style one. Oh, awesome. Uh, so where can I, people find you on Letterboxd, Jared? Just, oh, is it just your name? Um, Jared Skolman. He keeps okay, it easy. Just your name. Yeah, I do, the same, I do the same stuff. I'm the same thing everyone. It's going to Neutron. What do you want from me? Nice. Everything doesn't need to be clever. I, I found you. I'm adding you now. Boom. There you go. It's that easy, people. Uh, right. Jay Andrew World, Ooh, somebody take found. us away with the plugs. Right now, you are watching us on YouTube, so please do the YouTube things. Like, comment, subscribe. Hit the bell and watch this video to the end because it actually does uh, it lets uh, other movie fans find us. So, And you get to hear that great closing credits theme by our very own Conan Neutron. Yeah. Um, follow right. us on Twitter, because uh, we'll tell you when episodes air. Um, we'll have clips, uh, uh, fun stuff, uh, like shorts, uh, you know, uh, that you're going to see from this episode. It's going to be exciting. Um, uh, plus, we have a Twitter community, uh, which uh, you're welcome to join. Um, you know, everyone's well, tweet out the link to that. Uh, but yeah, come on, join us, uh, talk movies with us. And uh, usually I try to put up polls. I forgot to do it for this one. My bad. Um, I ended up like podcasting for like 80 hours yesterday with uh, Anna Kasparian and Ben Burgess. So thank you for your service. Yeah. Um, we have a Patreon. If you support our Patreon, you get access to the after parties forever. After party forever. It's not this fun. When only one person's doing it. Like everyone's <laughs> gone. <laughs> Sorry, I, 
<laughs> literally like as you started to sing like like uh like something's in my throat and i'm like oh no no i can't man i've had i've had that going on like ever since i got back from tour so hopefully it's cleared up by thursday yeah and uh so um since uh, we're talking about thursday right uh that's uh your next protonic no, reversal no it is not i'm not doing a protonic reversal when i sound like this i'll do this show that's fine i won't do a protonic okay. sound like this though uh but we are playing uh secret friends are playing madison the high noon saloon with uh, new primals and dog's blood. So any Wisconsin viewers probably already know about it, frankly, but uh, that's going to be the last Wisconsin show for secret friends for the year of any Lelo Madison, but that should be good. But I think it should be good enough to sing, but yeah, yeah, there's, there's no protonic this, this week. Okay. So but, go, uh, go listen to uh, well, the thinking fellers union episode that just happened with Mark Davies or the Guy Pichotto episode of Gazi. Oh yeah. You, you did the thing where you pick one, right? That's right. Yeah. I actually right. had written down, Episode 210, Devo, something for uh, everybody. 10-year song-by-song breakdown with Jerry Caselli, who also that's was right. on this show. That's, that's, uh, that's uh, Jerry Caselli. Hey, LD. Um, yeah, that, that's a good one, especially if you like that album, because, because we go into it song-by-song. Song. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's, it's, uh, that, that's why I picked that one uh, on my list here. I always have one in case he's not doing an episode. So there we go. Nice. Um, and, and uh, you know, people need to get, pick up your music. You can uh, find him at Bandcamp uh, under Conan Neutron. And uh, well, it's actually, in, no, it's in, it's under Conan Neutron, the Secret Friends. Conan Neutron. Oh yeah, is my yes, personal. I'm sorry, band. I forgot your friends. Yeah. So, Neutronfriends.bandcamp.com. Well, they're secret, so you know, sometimes you just don't remember them. I guess. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I mean, when was the last time Eric has been on here? Yeah. See? I don't know. Exactly. She's, she's doing big editing things as someone she's, she's, that she's on set. Like, yeah, she's busy, man. Like, she's, as someone that I'm like, amazed she got time off to do the tour, frankly. <laughs> as someone that does the same like career as her that hasn't worked in a while, like, I'm honestly jealous of whatever she's, she's up to right now. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we have uh, two guests here. I don't know if you've noticed sitting here with me, um, Jared and Katie. And uh, they have a film that's being shown here, uh, you know, uh, in uh, Western Mass in East Hampton this weekend. Uh, was it Saturday? Awesome. Uh, it's uh, October 30th. October 30th. Yeah, so if you want, oh. that's the Saturday of Halloween. And if you're it's, like... It's a Halloween Eve Eve. Is it Saturday or Sunday? <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, no, Sunday. So you're right. It's Sun Sunday. Sunday, yeah. I have the details. It's Sunday. That's right. Um, Sunday. And, and uh, it's so the Eve of, Hall of Halloween Eve. Yeah, it's at uh, New City Brewery in East Hampton. Uh, Mischief Night. Pretty That's gory true. film, Girl in the Basement. Uh, it is going to be at a bar so that we, we have an age uh, kind of like buffer there. Um, we will be shown last, and that is because the bar serves food, and they have requested to be allowed to serve food before the film. Oh, not really? Okay. The film. Oh, yeah, you sure that people vomit. might not enjoy eating while watching the film. Um, but you may get more vomit out of it. So yeah, that's, uh, yeah, you know. um, we shouldn't have served custard. <laughs> and if you can't uh, make it to East Hampton this Sunday. Uh, you can get it on uh, Vimeo. Uh, you can just check it out. If you, if you search Girl in the Basement, you'll find our Facebook page. It gives you a bunch of different links and different ways to catch that film. Uh, it's we'll, next we'll Sunday, link it in right? the show notes too. We'll link yeah. it in the show notes. It's not yeah. this Sunday. It's next Sunday, right? The thirtieth. It's, it's the th it's the thirtieth. Yeah. Yeah. 
You're right, yes. 30th at 6.30 is when it starts, New City Brewery. Um, of course, we can also link that that out to you guys. Uh, yep. That's part of the East Hampton Film, uh, the EFF. What is the second F for? East Hampton Film Festival. Festival. Fucking. It's fucking. I was just trying not to drive the car directly into that. Um, and I want to Andrew, mention that. Andrew World will do it for you every time. That's what I've learned awesome. being on this show. Every yeah. time. And there'll be a, a, a fucking films. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> fucking films, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> but if you want to come by and talk to us about the film, uh, watch it. It, it is uh, really intense. It's an allegory for uh, what it is like to go through uh, having anorexia and making that decision with your life um, in in the form of a very horrific horror movie. Um, so yeah, and you can ask us questions at the end. We'll be there both of us very good yeah yeah i, I feel like i, I monopolized that so. no, no, you're, you're all good. Okay. <laughs> my, my plugs take up like a third of this bit and it's like 20 minutes long so we gotta we gotta figure out a way to rapid fire this and but, we uh, still and we still somehow not, don't end up mentioning the patreon for protonic which i mean anyway Oh yeah, you know it's it's on the list. I mean, they that's oh, yeah. ah, funny. How it doesn't get mentioned. I thought you said there's Patreon. That's, that's how you get the after party. <laughs> what well, no, show? Oh, more than one Patreon. That yeah, this guy. <laughs> yeah, the, the other Patreon. Like my show. Yeah, you, you you get his episodes of Protonic Reversal early whenever he records them. Yeah, when I actually do them. Yeah, you made it Protonical. <laughs> exactly. Uh, At some point, people are going to laugh at that joke. Yeah, one day. <laughs> Someday. <laughs> Hope springs eternal. Uh, is that it? Is that it, Andy? Yeah, th those are the plugs. Uh, all right. Unless, Woo! Unless you all have anything else uh, I forgot to check beforehand to, to plug? We should have a little applause drop when he finally gets to finish it, like when that happens. Yeah. I, I need to get a sound. Like I, I need to just try to get people to buy me a soundboard on here. I need to <laughs> start pitching for it. It's your GoFundMe. Yeah. <laughs> Go sound me. <laughs> Go board me, brother. Board me, dog. All right. So speaking of board, <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So are we all stay? Are we all doing a uh, uh, after party tonight? I'm, uh, I'm gonna have to bounce. Unfortunately, I have I have something very early in the all morning. All right, I'm out. No. <laughs> I mean, we don't. We don't. We don't have to. We're doing two shows a week, so we could, you know, keep yeah, it. Yeah, uh, as much as I would, I could chat for for a long time about nothing. <laughs> So it's basically our first. Oh, you've heard it. <laughs> yeah, no, I have to. I have to be in Albany at like eleven a.m. It's quite a drive, too. I know, and I'm a nocturnal person, so that might as well be like three o'clock in the morning for me. Yeah, I hear you. All right, so we'll we'll I, we can do the after party on Friday then. Um, we can hear some uh, final thoughts. Oh, Jared, Jared, you're. Uh, oh, are you are you sticking around? Do you want to? He's 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 chopped uh, liver here. Yeah, I get. I I gotta head out too. Yeah. All right, so we'll we'll do it on we'll do it on Friday. Um, <laughs> I see these mugs enough. I don't need <laughs> we don't need to take each other off topic for another half hour. So uh, yeah, let's uh, let's hear some final thoughts, uh, KT or Jared, whichever one wants to start. Uh, just, you know anything anything we didn't get to, and and Jared, if you're gonna do it, you know microphone uh, towards you, and then <laughs> right up in your nose. You hear that? <laughs> How's that? Can, can you guys hear me? Oh, there you go. It's like the king's speech, yeah. except for good. All right. Very, very well. Um, Coming up next week, the king's speech. No, kidding. <laughs> oh, crap, I'm drawing the wrong one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Peter Jackson's been 
a huge inspiration for me ever since I, I knew I wanted to get into filmmaking. So it's great to just like talk about this and from every angle that we've, we've been talking about it so far. And um, I mean, I would love to see him go back to his splatter days at some point, just maybe to try something with uh, the full weight of, uh, <laughs> of the weight of workshop behind him. But um, I mean, he seems to be, he seems to be enjoying himself doing these documentaries now. So um, whatever he wants to do, please keep doing it. <laughs> keep doing something final thoughts um i'm a big fan of how did this get made and i think their final thought question of like would you recommend other people watch this movie whenever i'm watching a bad movie um is a really good question and i want to put a little like yes but with an asterisk here um if you're not really into films, if you're not really into the cinematography, the the way that the beats can be, the the things that are kind of like if you don't want to buy a house where you can see the bones and appreciate that, you want to move into a Mick Mansion of a film. I'm not sure this is something that you would enjoy because uh, it's got flaws. But that kind of wabi sabi is definitely why all of us are like it's worth talking about. Um, it's not, you know. It's not worth like watching over and over and over and over again, um, but I don't think many films are. I mean, not you know, there are a few like. Well, speak for yourself. You know, yeah, not everyone. Me would like to have a word, but uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, I think this would be difficult to just just root watch over and over again. I think I'd pick sections to watch again, um, but I can see if I tried to watch this with my friends who are not horror horror genre yeah. people. They would be pissed off at me. They'd be like, what the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. Um, at some point, I will get my parents to watch this movie. <gasps> oh, my God. I wouldn't watch your parents watching this movie. Yeah, where's that live stream? Yeah, that, that, that'll be coming up next week. Uh, yeah, Skull yeah, Night's yeah, exactly. Dead Alive. Yes. yes absolutely. Into it. Uh, but, Andy, let's hear some final thoughts. Hey, uh, this this movie is a lot of fun. Um Back in college, we kept trying to uh, pull out um, the weirdest movies from the video store. Um, and uh, it was, uh, I don't know what kind of one, if it was this or Evil Tunes, the one where they uh, have the Necronomicon. It's basically a softcore porno. Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, David Carradine's in it for some reason. Uh, and there's like this. this <laughs> With or without belts. Sorry, too soon. <laughs> <laughs> But but yeah, it, it was David like, Carradine uh, would have loved that. By the way, anyway, it, it's um, the, the, those two were the truly the two weirdest films that that we had found uh, in college uh, <laughs> to, uh, uh, to 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 um, show everybody. And, and um, uh, but I, this film really did stick with me. Uh, it's a much better film than Evil Tunes. I mean, Evil Tunes is is <laughs> not that good. Uh, well, but, it's got surprisingly little like graphic sex i mean it has that one sex scene but it's not even that graphic yeah it's just mostly like women taking off their clothes and, and then like the wolf goes crazy and then murders people yeah it's like this demon wolf it's it's weird the howling too that's fun he managed to do it for us he managed to take it off topic he almost made it through that staying on topic but yeah but, but uh, no, this movie is, is a lot of fun. It's made me a lot of friends over the years because I, I've uh, been known to go out in public hey, and take and it all off topic. All the friends uh, re reenact the scene of uh, the graveyard, um, you know, over, over a meal. 
And um, people all around me are just like, wait, is that, is that dead alive? Oh, <laughs> and, and you know, I, I come away with new friends. So th this film has been a bonding experience for me for, for many, many occasions. Mm -hmm. It's a great there secret handshake movie. Oh yeah, if, if you're in a, the a secret handshake movie, as I said, Jared. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, oh, a yeah. short, like a Tamarian kind of like Shaka when the walls fell. Like you could instantly. Be <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. I get it. <laughs> Conan, let's hear it. Hey, uh, yeah, so I had a – I've mentioned this sometimes when we've covered certain horror movies that me and my dearly departed best friend Clay had a thing where we would go to the video store. Video store! And pick out two horror movies. We would pick one that we thought was going to be awesome, and we picked one that we thought looked terrible. And we would watch the terrible one first, or the one that we perceived to be terrible – and then we would watch the awesome one afterwards with the sort of shine theory that the, the one that was terrible would make the good one even better for our own lines. And I, I don't even remember what the other movie was that we picked with this because I was so blown away by it and uh, fell in love immediately because this is still very much my humor, to be clear. Uh, but when I was a younger man, as, as evidenced by the letterbox review one-liner, this was 100% my, this is my like brand identity. This <laughs> was, was like dead alive for like everything. And I look, I could probably quote this beginning to end at one point when, when, when I was younger, but what I appreciate now is just how well-constructed of a film this is and when we've talked about like the all the different movies that we've done that's been kind of like a running theme that like as a film it's very well constructed but it also does something with the genre that's a little bit different because there's a lot of return of the living dead sort of energy here right mm -hmm. and this is this predates Shaun of the dead it predates zombie land and like more uh modern comedic uh what was it splatter uh, splatter uh splatter stick and and okay. Shaun of the Dead specifically says that they use this movie influenced them when they made their movie, which makes right. it a good week uh, transition between this movie and Shaun of the Dead. Yes, and and it's it's is so unique from the time period that there really wasn't a lot of movies that were doing that as well. But uh, again, as I've just gone off at length on the Heavenly Creatures episode, what an incredible talent Peter Jackson was and what an incredible talent everyone involved here who like went on and did other things were. And as we talked about earlier in the episode, how amazing that the New Zealand government financed it and how doubly amazing that it did the exact thing that that program is supposed to do. What a mind blower, right? Well, yeah, what a great uh, reason for us to do something similar. Yeah, fund the arts, people. Like it literally works. You want to go win an Oscar from like yeah. proof in the custard. <laughs> <laughs> AT, you can definitely be a regular. That's, that's great. <laughs> but yeah, I think that that's um, there, there's so much to love here as a film and as uh, like an influence, and it, it's so I feel it's so important to the genre of the movies but not necessarily the way that you might think because it is played for comedic effect but it is a different type of like zombie engagement like again we have like the ruinous empathy we have the like no i'm trying to make this better by like mitigating harm like no you're making this so much worse by doing that it's so much worse now than it would have been if you just would have dealt with this directly and i think that that's something that you see a little more of now as people kind of have a little more self-awareness 
towards these types of films, but I think it's incredibly important to the genre. I think it's an important film, frankly. But, you know, bad taste, eh, it's all right. But like, I think this is an important film. This is this is as important, I think, as like a clerk should not the living dead uh, or, you know, whatever, use your film of choice. Uh, for and I'm that, really glad to cover it. Do you think that Jackson and uh, Walsh would have gone on to make Heavenly Creatures had they not made this one first? Well, they were they made them literally back to back. Like, back to back? You know, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this, this came just... out in 1992. Heavenly Creatures was his next film in 1994. Well, and we've we bagged on it and referenced it and mocked it and like celebrated it. But like, it is ultimately a love story. <laughs> you know, there just happens to be a, a Kaiju zombie mama with uh, exposed breasts. <laughs> I mean, that Dracula is, um, is kind of a love story. And we were saying how similar they are to vampires. This is also, this is also seen as the end of his splatter, like his splatter stick phase. So yeah. it's this, and then he never goes back to. Well, what, do you, uh, what do you do after this? What do you do after yeah. that? Life? You're gonna make a horror movie? So, no. So, uh, Heavenly Creatures in in 1994, which you know this movie was still going around as far as 1993, right? Like it's still kind of uh, making its way throughout the global market. This, um, you know, so his next movie kind of opens the phase of like more serious filmmaking, and he's not just kind of an amateur doing this anymore. Like they're willing to give him higher budgets. He's actually, you know, creating something that's not. I mean, create it. Well, I'm not that's not to downplay this, but like creating something, um, I think, transcendent uh, of this genre. Right. Like yeah. something like, um, you know, Heavenly Creatures, which is not I mean, it's a true crime story. And he does all of these kind of interesting elements to it. But the mm -hmm. interesting elements are not the fantastical uh, in the same right. way. Those are almost incidental. Yeah. Whereas... And it, there's so much stigma around horror or anything, anything horrific yeah. that even if it gets to be like award-winning or noted in that genre, people start to slide it over to like, well, it's psychological drama or it's suspense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So like, yeah. If that's you that's in the adult fiction category over here. That's not in the yeah. young adult fiction. But I mean, you can, yeah. but you can see the effects of this film on Heavenly Creatures even, <laughs> I, I mean, I kind of uh, incidentally picked the two scenes in the, in the intro, but um, it's the same light when he's doing the, you know, this thing yeah. when he's, and it's the same light well, as he has film. On, the Ors, it's yeah, so on the Orson Welles scene. People focus yeah. on yeah. like the subject, on the fact that like, you know, the obsequious amount of gore and like blood and whatever, but like, it's a very well shot film, like top to yeah. bottom, even and, like, and he does the thing that like, when you have something like, like the rat monkey being like stop motion-y, right? Like, it's played. It's played effective. It's like you're not going to get away with just having that there. So it's so blatantly obvious, which that's my favorite thing. Like if you're going to have something, and that's one of the things I have. You know, I'm not going to get into like the whole like CGI society and the overuse of CGI in, in modern movies. But like with the idea of like if you have an effect and it doesn't look like it's going to be real, you can do the thing. We just draw attention to it, especially if it's this comedy because you're like, what the fuck? This thing? What's happening right now? There was a there was a thing I tried to do in the intro that didn't end up working out because uh, it would have taken too long of a Lord of the Rings clip um, moving into a, a clip from this. But uh, the thing that I originally wanted to do is, you know, the scene at the beginning with the Hobbit continues on. He's like, there's so many fantastical creatures who would even pay attention to hobbits. And then I wanted to have the rat monkey, the rat uh, monkey. bite her and she starts screaming and I was trying to do that. But then uh, it, it flagged it and was like, yeah, that's too long of Lord of the Rings scene. So you can get away with doing a certain amount of it, I think, with the with the sound. Yeah, yeah. You can only, yeah. I'm, Jared, I'm I think you had a you had, you had a comment on that. 
Sorry, I, I saw you kind of pipe up, but I didn't hear you. Uh, no, I was just saying, like, um, the the rat monkey had that, like, it, it didn't look realistic, but it had that very hairy house and energy going for yeah, it. Yeah, uh, 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 the Argonauts, Jason the Argonauts. Yeah, had that big kind of like yeah. the skeletons, like yeah, which also Evil Dead or I mean, yeah, uh, um, are you familiar with the gate with this young Stephen yeah. Dorf? Oh yeah, yeah, the, yeah that yeah, whole like yeah. that monster when it breaks into the little tiny monsters. That's all uh, Harryhausen mm -hmm. style. It still yeah. works yep. really well. Yeah, it, it has the feel of a magic trick. Yeah. Yeah. Army of Darkness says it a little bit with the uh, skeleton army. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what that's, that's, that's I'm saying. Yeah. And of course, King Kong. Oh, yeah. Which we've established canonically <laughs> is in the same universe as Dead Alive. Yeah. But, uh, you know, cutting it here, uh, my, my, my final thought is you've got the bite. And then, you know, Singaya. <laughs>